on that note, uh, welcome everybody to Rantcast. Uh, today we got something special planned for y'all. I see Chad Gang already filtering in, Zerg. Thank you so much. Out the gates with the uh, with the tier one sub there, buddy. Um, tonight we got something a little bit special. We're gonna do a, a Rantcast roundtable. We've got more guests than I've ever had on at one time. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Lyons will be joining us a little bit later. He's gonna be late, um, so we'll have we'll have everybody here talking uh, talking actually about. Uh, lore and and kind of in specifically how you get your lore on the table uh, with your own army. Um, I am of course uh, Mr. Mephisto, the man with every opinion unlocked. Joining me tonight, I'm um, just going top left here. I've got uh, Mr. Strength Hammer himself, uh, the Chuck Moore. Hello, everybody. Uh, on the top right here, I've got uh, Good Painter Stormcast Man. Or the artist formerly known as Good Painter Stormcast Man, <laughs> Good Painter Legion of the Gosh Man, and then soon to be Good Painter Elf's Man, Martin Orlando. How's it going tonight, man? Hello, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing the tagline. There we go. And then down there in the bottom left, we've got uh, we've got Paul from the Mortal Realms podcast. Say hello to everybody, man. Well, hello all. How are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, he died. Martin beat you to the hello, friends. So, uh... So Tom is here with us in spirit. Like I said, he'll be joining us a little bit later. He's going to be late. Um, man, uh, I don't know uh, where to jump in quite on this one. But I just want to say to everybody, if you're you're joining us from like, uh, this is the second episode of Rantcast this week. Earlier on in this week, I mentioned I'd just gotten back from PACA. Um, I had a grind getting to that. Um, I multiple like 10, 12 hour streams a day, painting every day. And uh, actually, Chuck Moore here. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was a challenge. Like, how would you how would you term it? Uh, uh, I don't know. I just threw a gauntlet in your general direction, and you, you said, "All right, I'm already running this way. I might as well pick it up." Right, 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 <laughs> right. And uh, and so now he owes me a bone for the tithe of a nondescript, perhaps uh, unknown origin. Uh, yep. <laughs> there's, there's some. Uh... Some Daughters of Cain bits out of my bits box there. Perfect, perfect. Which, awesome. which is a great little way to have a little narrative fun, even though we haven't played a game. Yeah. We, I wasn't involved in any of this other than just watching you paint. But now you're gonna paint this up and put it on one of your bases, I assume. I'm, I'm probably gonna throw it on the uh, Bone Tithe Nexus, actually. I think that'll be a good Ooh, place for uh, it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. In fact, I think this might start a trend for my own personal army narrative. I might collect tithes from opponents, content creators, and I think I'll I'll paint up those bits and and add them to the the Bone Tithe Nexus. This will be a nice little way to kind of keep my personal narrative uh, growing and, and progressing forward. I, you will I'm buy spider that. bits from my cold dead <laughs> I used to actually do that same thing in um, Eighth Edition Fantasy with my high elves. Anytime I beat someone, I would get a bit whether it was from them or buying it separate, and put it on a model that was in a unit that I used to beat them. So, like, there's little, like, Grails from beating Bretonians, there's Halberds from beating Tomb Kings, and, and a little bit of everything. I think, I've, I think I took out everybody's army at least once in my local shop, so there's there's bits all over the army. So it's, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, so that's great. I mean, bases can um, get a little cluttered, I think, if I were to collect that many tithes, but the Nexus, it's... it's have you seen this thing? It's, it's basically... <laughs> I mean, I basically, it's basically a Warcry, uh, like, amount of terrain. Like, if you were to have, like, a Warcry game, you could just throw one Nexus on and you're good to go. That's how big Are it is. Are you saying it's the Nexus big thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mortal Realms puns are, are here on Ratcast, everybody. Um, 
So, yeah, I guess that's a really good jumping off point. So tonight we're going to be talking, as I said at the onset, we're going to be talking about sort of uh, uh, lore and how you kind of bring that lore to the table. Now, lore is, I think narrative is means one thing when we say narrative. Um, when I say narrative, I, as a writer, I mean something entirely different. But when you say a narrative in the, in the context of, of Age of Sigmar, I guess, uh, what do y'all think? Martin, I haven't heard from you in a, in a, in a bit. Um, so I would say, at least for my approach, I don't know if this is what we want to try, just for an opening. I would say, um, narrative for me, especially since this is a visual hobby, it's arts and crafts, we're making miniatures, it's visual storytelling. How can I, um, tell a story through my miniatures to an audience, my opponent, people at an event, people on the internet. Right on, right on. And Paul, what do you think on that subject? Uh, I think narrative for me is just why I'm building an army. I, I tend not to build armies just because I have the miniatures. I want to build a narrative in order to build my army around them. So for me, it's the first thing I do when I'm building an army. So you're, you're, you, you're, you go in narrative first with your, like, even selection of your units. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. Chuck? Uh, for me, it's, it's a deeper connection to the game. Uh, I mean, I love building competitive lists, but I also love building narrative theme stuff. Love converting. I love I love every aspect of this hobby. So, by also then ha creating this story that's ongoing for me, gets me invested much more deeply into the army I'm playing, and into the mortal realms, and into the game as a whole, to the point where I just stop. I never shut up about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's it, to me it's a it's a it's a deep anchor point. It's a deep anchor point. So, and. Uh... I promised I wasn't going to do this, but since Tom's going to be late, um, for me, it, it is kind of all of the above there. Um, I, uh, I said early on, the reason I play Death Armies, I'm the type of guy who in Mass Effect, I play Paragon Shepard every time, no matter what. I find it really difficult when I'm role-playing to, like, be a dick in a video game when I'm, like, <laughs> directly inserted into the game. I'm like, this is, like, what I would do if I were a space superhero. Right? Let it be known, I am not the person who made the Mass Effect reference, says the Mass Effect superfan. As, as long as we don't talk about the game that hasn't happened yet, Mass Effect 3 will be fine. Um, <laughs> one, they're going to make it one day, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best. Like, there's no way they would ruin it, ever. And Kane, and Kane is a lot Are they flying cards where you are? <laughs> not yet. No, um, but like, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm like a Paragon playthrough. But for whatever reason, um, you know, like, when I played Warhammer early on, like, first off, I was in my goth phase. Um, so, naturally, I'm going to play Undead. Uh, but I found, like, as I got older, like, I needed to be the bad guy army in a, like, me versus you sense. It, and, and so, like, I really kind of gravitated towards that, like, villain persona and the villainous armies. And so that's why, like, you know, my, my, you know, my main army will always be, like, death, and then my... You know, oh, I had an opportunity to play, like, Stormcast and, uh, you know, maybe one of these Order armies when I was buying my second army. I'm like, no, 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 Beast of Chaos. Uh, <laughs> like, gotta, gotta <laughs> sacrifice people to a, to a volcano god. Like, you know, I just couldn't, like, I just, I, I can't, now I can't shake that persona. So it starts with, for me, like, even to, like, switch my brain on to be able to fight you on the table, I have to have a narrative reason. And that kind of makes me me play a bad guy army, because if I was, like, a good guy army, I'd be like, you know what? We should try diplomacy first, guys. <laughs> like, where's my, uh, where's my diplomacy check dice? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is there really uh, any good guys in Age of Sigmar? 
Well, I mean, I mean there's okay, oh, guys. This is a very philosophical question. So, so <laughs> um, I mean, do, ahead. do we want to answer this? Yeah, go ahead. No, you got you got the torch now, man. Well, I mean, yeah, narratively, so, yeah. So I would say if there's if there's one thing to take away from, I would say faction-centric storylines, be it from television like Game of Thrones, um, books, or games like Warhammer, I would say morality is as much about perspectives as it is, um, like, the, the rules of the world and the society. Mm. Um, in Game of Thrones, I think that we empathize with the Stark protagonists because we start the stories with them and we follow them the longest out of any of the characters. If Tywin Lannister was a was the protagonist and we followed him, I would think that a lot of the actions he undertook in the story would probably feel justified. Mm. Uh, so I think it's, there's our answer to are there good guys? Whose okay. perspective do you associate yourself with the best? Okay. Okay, so like, since I associate with Nagash's supreme control, I think he's the good guy. Um, yes, right. and I and think that's the key to good faction-driven fiction and games. Right, right, right. The POV. Anyone uh, got something else to add to that, or, or, or perhaps a counterpoint to that? Well, I think the question of what is good in Age of Sigmar is an interesting question, right? Because what do you compare good against? Right. So, like, you're taking the moral relativism sort of uh, philosophical question there? Um, well, when nobody agrees on what a benefit is to the world, the realm, whatever, mm -hmm. right, how do we define good? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting question because for, you know, from a certain perspective, because he stabilized more of the mortal realms than anybody else. So Even though he's with them in a chaos-fueled world, mm -hmm. still in normal reality, Ooh. right? There's still a predictableness to having that. So <laughs> can question put it that way. Right, but right. Can you tell that Arcan was the first model I bought? <laughs> yeah, said, yeah, but, yeah. But from but from my point of view, the Jedi are, are evil. So right, right, I mean, it's, <laughs> right. Yeah, the best line ever. <laughs> it's uh i, I kind of agree it, it is kind of relative and how you want to look at it but uh i think also that's that's a very good thing because everyone can be mm -hmm. the good guy if no one's the good guy in a way kind of right. like if everything's an emergency nothing's an emergency so whatever army you latch on to and develop the story for is going to be your good guy mm -hmm. right well so 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 if i may like counterpoint here um there's a different difference between like protagonist and antagonist and and protagonist isn't the same thing as a good guy. Protagonist tends to be just something that drives the story forward and then an antagonist would be something that gets in the way of that story progressing, right? Um so when you're dealing with POV, a lot of times when you're switching POV, you're switching protagonists in that any given moment. Um you're not necessarily switching like in a moral sense. You're not necessarily pulling the levers on morality. Like there are certain things the game is very mythical and bigger than us. And I think that that, then our fixed points in, in sort of morality, like we have a lot of societies that have a long time that we've been around and read histories on to like come to a moral consensus in our reality. Age of Sigmar and stuff, a lot of that's implied if it's even talked about at all. So it's, it's difficult to like gauge, you know, their moral uh, compass in their realms. But I mean, in general, eating souls 
tends to be sort of universally like a negative, like a not morally good thing. So like, so Sigmar is the bad guy. So That's Sigmar is the bad guy here. <laughs> like Nagash, he wants to recycle him. You know, like he just, you know, he's very green. I don't know. Like, do we he... want to start on this? <laughs> Have you heard? Have you heard my opinion on Nagash? I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's or, pretty bad. It. So moving on, let's talk about then <laughs> what. <laughs> Where's that? Where's that rug we just swept this under? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we can have on. a whole discussion. Like, I, I don't want to take the spotlight off you completely, Paul. So, uh, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll kind of start <laughs> with your, uh, with your personal sort of sort of narrative. Um, like, uh, you, we, we were kind of talking about the onset, um, and a couple interactions on Twitter. I know you as the Spider King. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so your primary army for those that maybe don't. Uh, the fools that haven't listened to the Mortal Realms yet, or, or maybe don't follow you on Twitter, uh, you want to give a, a like a quick uh, sort of background, uh, and then maybe maybe take us into uh, some of your personal narrative, and then we'll talk a little bit about, about uh, sort of Adepticon and 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 uh, that sort of table side of, of of narrative and lore for yourself. And feel well, free cool. to tell Paul he's wrong about Nagash at any point in time while he's talking. Uh, well, we have to have the discussion before you can tell me <laughs> wrong. You haven't even heard my opinion, uh, but. Um, so the Spider Fang are my army passion project. I've been working on them for 10, um, I, uh, I bought a battle for skull pass like five times when it was, and it came out cause it was like 40 bucks. Okay. So I don't think I've ever used the dwarves, but I use those night goblins a ton. I think I have seven to 800 of them somewhere around in my house. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I ended up gaining, you know, 70 to 80 spider riders. So I was like, hey, look, it's a free army. This would be kind of fun. Um, and then I started converting them pretty heavily uh, because I wasn't all that sold on the dynamic most of the pose. And we ended up being able to go to England uh, on my 29th birthday and ordered four gigantic uh, spiders with spider boss. Um, at the time, the, the cool thing you could do at Warhammer World is that you could do a made-to-order there, and they would have it for you in, like, three hours. Oh, wow. That's so I got cool. three, I got four of the metal spider goblins when I was there for eight hours, or, for like, five hours. So that kind they of They still mostly do it. that, by the way. Yeah. It, it's a super cool thing. And it, it's the one thing that I was like, what can I get at Warhammer World that I can't get anywhere else? Because at that time, Warhammer World was kind of just, you know, a big hall and a normal GW store. Now you could get all kind of, you know, awesome sweet treats. Um, but at the time, that was the big thing. And so I, I came home and I started converting those and I converted them into chariots. And then when Arachnarok got released, it just blew my mind because I had been using uh, balsa wood to make howdos on the back of my gigantic spiders <laughs> so everything just like <laughs> fell into place i was like this is my yeah. army yeah um and yeah. uh you now 12 arachnarchs later uh i have quite a massive force and it is the thing that really i always come back to well it's it's like it's like gw uh personally thanked you for coming to Warhammer World, yeah. and they like sent you this like yep. this additional thing a little bit later. Um, Martin, we got a question from Chat Gang here. What is the art on your desk? Is um, from... that is the Silver Tower print. Uh, they gave them away at one of the store birthdays or anniversaries. Hold on. Mm. 
And while you uh, can can everyone see that? I can see that, but people listening on Podbean and such, uh, check the VOD huh. and Twitch live. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't move the computer any further because then it would be inside my chest. That would be sweet. I mean, if you were a uh -huh. robot. Oh look, we got another uh, another. Every people, everyone just showing off their art. Uh, I've got yeah. this really well, sweet well, picture well, of a leyline walker is, here. Uh, the, well, the thing is, is that this was um, uh, this is signed by Paul Dayton, and uh, awesome. it came with a a crazy cool frame. That's like awesome. I forget which store birthday or anniversary, but um, uh, my local store um in Jenkintown is very much um the home of a big like huge 40k community mm -hmm. so um well it's unfortunate that we don't have as many age of sigmar gamers that visit that store specifically it did mean that all of the age of sigmar swag they had at one of their store birthdays or anniversaries or something was basically right for the pickings um so i forget what requirements i needed to meet uh to get it but i met those requirements and i got this picture and I and agree with you. okay yeah yeah, I agree with you, G-Dad. Nagash does need to focus a touch more on killing Skaven, so they stop foiling yeah. his plans. Um, so, so real, uh, real quick, then back, back to you, Paul. Um, so you, the, the spiders are that that army that you come back to all the time, and I notice. So, um, you do run. I know last year you ran the narrative event uh, for Adepticon. Uh, I've got the pack mm -hmm. right here. I'll go ahead and open that up. Uh, and you're running two more now at this Adepticon. Well, uh, I was originally going to run two more. Thankfully, Eric uh, Stone Monk Gamer stepped in, and I was spearheading the Warcry event because okay. running one event at Adepticon is more than enough stress for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, oh, we go ahead. Uh, yeah. So Eric is uh, running it along with Josh and Paven. So the dogs of Warcry boys are taking point on that and really pushing that forward but it's still going to be somewhat of a joint effort uh as well as we, okay. as we move into a con so cool and i don't want you to spoil any of the any of the any of the heat any of the sauce uh coming out of adepticon this year so we're going to go ahead and talk about this 2019 pack which is of course what you ran um mm -hmm. so you you have ways of getting your narrative in your army um mm -hmm. uh care to share any of those and then we'll talk about how you get some, you, you've uh, kind of approached this pack because uh spoiler uh, there be spoilers uh, here. Mm -hmm. So, so um, the first time I ran Gibbering Dome was two years ago, um, and Chuck uh, was gracious enough to allow us to use his witch elves uh, to take over the Gibbering Dome and to be the opponent, um, which was an awesome time. Uh, that was definitely just kind of, hey, I, I want to build some stuff and let's play an army. Uh, that was released recently, and so uh, I have some awesome memories of that event. Um, and then we moved on last year and moved to the Spider Fang um, because they had a book that was released within the last year as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, as far as the Spider Fang are concerned for the narrative hook, they originally were um, kind of a Spider Fang conversion for the. Um, for the prairie goblins that they used to have, right? The the wolf riders and that kind of stuff. Right, right. So I made um, Daddy Long Legs to be a little bit faster to try and fit in with the rules, right? So they have long legs, so they're a little bit faster, harder to hit because they're higher up. Mm -hmm. um, See, I like and, how you're reinforcing the narrative. The... I like how you're, you you have a mind toward the narrative, the visual, and the rules in this. By the way, I think that's mm -hmm. really, um, I think that's really important when you're you're trying to achieve that sort of 
you know, perception of truth, that verisimilitude across all those platforms. Yep. Uh, but yeah, continue. Well, uh, and that, that was one of the reasons for doing that conversion as I wanted it to look different enough that you would be like, hey, that's different. But that the explanation made sense that once I told you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're wolf riders because they're wolf spiders or whatever, right? You know, right, long right. legs. Um, edition came out, they released a special character called Snagla Grobspit. Um, and so Snagla had a pretty sweet story where his home Arachnarok was killed. Um, he was, they were ambushed while he was gone. And he ripped off the fangs from the Arachnarok. And he used one of them as a hatchet and he used another one as a throwing weapon. And so in my display, I have a dead Arachnarok that was killed by an Empire Cannonball. And then I built my own conversion of Snaggle Grobspit with a, uh, a the Arachnarok Fang as a hatchet and Arachnarok Fang as this little boomerang thing. There you go. So the whole army revolved around that character. That's really cool. Um, and when they moved into... Thank you. Uh, and when they moved into Age of Sigmar... Um, the character went away, but the narrative did not. So you, a simple you, way of putting it. Um, but, so you maintain that thread go ahead. coming in. You maintain that thread coming into Age of Sigmar, then. Yeah, uh, you can't have a hero to avoid and the a spider pun, you anymore. Kept, you kept weaving that thread. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I spun my yeah, web. You, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so you're, <laughs> what you did? So you're, you're hinging your narrative on a single character. Uh, this is actually one of the the tenets I know that Chuck really. Um, really has some some thoughts on uh you want to interject now or save it now chuck well, I, I can save it like i'll to... save it all right cool i'd like yeah. to expand on it all right so 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 you, you carried that thread uh through mm -hmm. uh into into aos and i guess while we're here did you find it we've been in aos what five years now this is like going into our fifth year right right about mm -hmm. um yes. Did you find it easier to like uh, weave your your narrative webs in the old world, or or with the sort of like blank canvas we've got going on with Age of Sigmar a little bit? Do you find it a little bit easier to kind of fill in that that canvas yourself here? Well, I have to say I found it easier to weave my narrative in Age of Sigmar. Unbelievable! Could you could you start over again, please? I I, I couldn't hear you. Uh, for me, it, it was definitely easier to weave my narrative in Age of Sigmar. Mm -hmm. uh, in the old world, I felt like I kind of had to be within what was in the book. Okay. I, I know uh, they've talked about this on Stormcast a little bit, about how the main thrust of the narrative in the old world, if you were important enough to be in the main narrative, you'd be included in the books. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't, you were so unimportant as to be shoved off to the side. right? So you can make up your own village or your own <laughs> tribe or whatever, but in order to make them fit into the old world, you kind of have to switch up the main story. You can't be important Sigmar because it right. is exactly right. Like if, if you have Kurt Helborg, great. You have Kurt Helborg, right? But you can't have another guy that is Kurt Helborg because that space has already been filled mm -hmm. and trying to make your character as important as that character was something that didn't leave space that the old world didn't leave space for because it started in one time and, added slightly forward from that one time you didn't have the space uh the area to expand that mm -hmm. so age of sigmar it has that breadth of space that just like vast amounts of land that you could be someone who has as much power as say gash 
mm-hmm. but Heinrich Kemmler or something like well, that, and nobody would know about well, it. Well, it's be the whole maybe not Nagash, but certainly Archeon. <laughs> well, I mean, so Heinrich Kemmler, I mention because in the end times, he actually built a spider out of bones. Yeah. That he used to, to uh, rampage across the old world. So uh, he's one of my personal favorite death characters. It is pretty metal. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm hearing heavy metal, like guitar um, in the background right now. so not only um did age of sigmar give you the breath of space to expand that narrative but because we now have factions right so it's destruction Mm -hmm. i can use the whole you know the the destruction faction as opposed to just spider fang or just you know um you could have kind of mixed them together but they never really worked that well and the narrative thrust why would a a black orc ever be with a bunch of weedy goblins right Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually have, as a conversion for AOS, I have Spydrak, the Everpoison, as opposed to Gordrak, my I, I, own leader for that army. No, I love that. I and love that. yeah, so I can I can make my own character that has the same narrative thrust as Gordrak and can kind of do the same thing, but he's a spies. That's pretty cool. There's also something uh, to be said for like the time the timelines a little sort of like. Um... Disc, it's a little like in influx as well. Like we know. Can you that, just say timey wimey? Because I know timey, you it's timey it. wimey. Yeah, yeah. There's some timey wimey. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, like I can't hate on Hoovians. I already have like all of the nerd, like this nerd sub factions mad at me. Like West Side Story, like snapping, walking towards me whenever I do a rant cast. Um, <laughs> so we, we might as well at least I like you I like Doctor Who so there you go I don't hate okay. I don't hate it like I hate Harry Potter and Star Wars apparently um, <laughs> <laughs> um agreed Age of Sigmar is awesome for narrative flexibility and uh Sean we'll talk about the metal thing in, in a little while because I wanted to bring up one of the one of Chat Gang's uh, personal narratives as part of this because it's really awesome and close to my heart um so yeah um Oh, you sound like you got something you want to say there, Chuck? I would say I, I have to agree fully, just uh, from my perspective. My High Elves in 8th edition when I played them, and I had 10, 11, 12,000 points of High Elves by the time the uh, end times was rolling around. I only had one character in the army, and it was just a, a you know dragon prince on a horse, and it was named after, you know, uh, the, the name I use in just general RPGs. Um, but it was always just the sub guy because I'd always have Teclas or Tyrion or Ilariel, and like, and he's not going to command them. <laughs> he's going to be told what to do. So he was very much a. Uh, it's it from that one line in the uh, in the Big Red Book, of you know your general is is you on the table, and it's like oh I'll put my persona in there, but my persona really meant nothing mm-hmm. in in old Eighth Edition, and maybe that was my being young as a gamer and including narrative gamer on the tabletop level, but I just didn't feel there was room to do, like, what we can... Yeah. Uh, sorry, chat getting here, busted by chops over the three things I hate the most, according to Rantcast Canon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, the, the... I still do it. You know, like, you're like, oh, when I was young, I had to, like, really insert myself into, into like, my fictions and still... I'm... I'm 34 years old and have been paid cash money for writing stories, and I still do it. Um, like it's, <laughs> um, I, I've just gotten better at hiding that it's me. 
is really all that's changed now that I'm older as a as a as a as a writer and and someone who composes narratives. Um, you know, I'm really the thing that I really go into now as an adult is is taking myself and inverting myself, and that's what I've been inserting into my narratives, or taking a feature or quality of myself and then like making it villainous or making it heroic and and just playing that's... with the knobs of of who I am. Right. That's just like uh, look at look at thirty K <laughs> with the Primarchs. They're just humans. Take one specific feature and just crank it up to eleven. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's an easy way to do it. That in the, yeah, it, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Love love the Spinal Tap reference, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So so um, so uh, back to so you've got your narrative there, Paul. Uh, then you go and run this uh, this Adepticon narrative event, and I was reading about the the Gibbering Dome. Uh, formerly known as uh, the the Void Skine, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I noticed that there was also a spider theme, kind of throughout that. It wasn't just yep. the, uh, it wasn't just that like Gloomspite Git show up on their Arachnorox. It was actually like you had this uh, sort of like Aether Web and um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and you want to just just give us the sort of like uh, general, uh, you know, the elevator pitch of what the Gibbering Dome was um, and kind of. Uh, and go from there. Uh, so the Gibbering Dome was uh, the city called Voidsgain, and Voidsgain was the most famous university in the Mortal Realms um, at, during the Age of Enlightenment. Um, it is a place separate from the gods, uh, so no gods can actually go there. Um, you know how you had um, the the gloaming. Uh, which is where Slanesh is theoretically at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gibbering Dome is in that that space as well. Uh, it's not in the gloaming; it's in between other realms. Um, Akshi but it and, is a, and Shaman were were the the two you it, said. Exactly, um, and so it is this just vast monument to knowledge um, and to uh, progress, as it were. Um, it is defined by these creatures that left there called the Dertoreth. And the Dertoreth uh, are not only transports, but also vessels of knowledge, uh, and they allow people knowledge. Um, now, being apart from the gods, obviously, is not a great uh, well, the gods place to be. The gods probably don't dig this, right? Like they Exactly. Uh, this is a, uh, a rival power or an unknown quantity, as it were. And so they took it upon themselves to remove uh, knowledge from this place and in the process uh, destroyed it. Um, they they, re- they removed the purpose from the Daratoreth. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the Gibbering Dome became unanchored from between Akshi and Shimon and now is whirling through the void, as it were. Hell um, yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> the Daretoreth are wandering the realm. It's just the TARDIS, uh, like, just spiraling. And spinning around. Yeah. Exactly, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I, I liked was the, uh, like, the how the memories were stored in this, like, Aetherweb. I thought that was a really, really cool um, um, touch. Thank you. Um, so yeah. then you, you, you took this this cool little, like, you know, backstory, this this narrative, uh, and then you actually ended up going on to make, essentially, your own battle plans. And sort of a yeah. progression. Three. This would mirror the three rounds you would play in this narrative event, right? Um, Correct. That is so yep. round one, two, three. Those were the three rounds that we played in last year's event. Okay. Straight up. 
Cool. And you have these, uh, is this display, is, is these, uh, are these like linoleum tiles <laughs> that you use for the mat? No. Nope. No? No? Uh, so they're what, it's called PVC foam. So okay. it's a PVC layer on the top and then expanded foam that's out of PVC in the middle and then another layer of PVC on the bottom. Okay. So they're basically, um, they're basically plastic that can be carved like wood, carved and cut like wood. Okay. So okay. Uh, Bishman, uh, he's on Twitter. He's the guy who made the Burgermeister's Mansion, absolutely just owed to the Empire, um, that has been on display in Warhammer World and all over the place. He also builds displays for Darklands, uh, for Salute, okay. as well. So he'll um, scale model architecture student, okay. uh, and just makes the most things. Okay. So so when you you made this. Um... The the um, progression through the narrative mirrors the uh, um, the battle plans. What's going on? So you have like the rescue, the get web. Um, so like the spiders mm -hmm. actually show up in the second one, um, and then the escape. So so you have like the victory conditions, and that's it's it's just what you kind of did with your your daddy long legs. Is you took the rules and you had the rules reflect the model, ha had them reflect. Uh, you know, the narrative. And, and that that's a thread mm -hmm. I saw through this. But I just wanted to share with you, because, uh, so I could totally put Neo in my name, too, because the one tournament I ran <laughs> at Anna Mayhem, or Anime, uh, Anime Milwaukee, nice. uh, that had four people show up. Uh, thank you. Uh, Mark it's Ramsey, counts. Christian Ware, yeah, counts. Isaiah, and, uh, and, uh, nice. and Mark, yeah, so... And, uh, all so the Dave, Dave all, and Dave showed up, yeah. So uh, thank you all for oh, you nice. guys. We did round robin instead. It was three rounds. So I just want to share with you my narrative. You see, uh, the, ours was uh, the first realm took place in the, the realm of Gur. Uh, mm -hmm. It was the round one was called the God Beast Zilla attacks. Uh, <laughs> so two armies converge on a mythic God Beast. Whomever controls it will attain great power. Uh, so then this was, uh, what was it? It was focal points, and there was something about... The next one was Half-Life, so catastrophe. Over the course of the battle, the God Beast's heart was split in twain. Power can still be attained if you assemble it, so it became Duality of Death. Ooh. And then Nuclear Wasteland, uh, Scorched Earth. So uh, we lied. The heart uh, You put the heart back together, but now everything is a radioactive wasteland of death. Before you succumb to heinous... Uh, radiation poisoning at uh, as all will you decide at least burn your enemy city to the ground in spite <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a narrative you see how how that's it yeah how how narrative it's ongoing quickly escalated from a god beast but well you did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the question everyone in any of my D, D games will ask always there's always the jump the shark moment in my campaigns it usually happens around level six and so the campaign i'm running right now and i think i'm struggling with it rabbit hole number two here um is i didn't jump the shark early and so now i'm just like this is all lame i just want to like blow something up or like kill a god or something and i'm just like <laughs> Like, but that's my struggle. So, um, yeah, you, you, you basically, so like you, you made this narrative event and you had this progression of that. Do you have any, I guess, sort of, uh, tips, you know, on, uh, like your, so your digital soapbox here for, for how, uh, folks might get their narrative, uh, to their table, be it on their army, uh, designing some battle plans or making a little narrative event for their friends. It doesn't have to be a big grandiose tournament. It can just be, you know, you and a couple friends. So um, the first tip I would have is have good friends. 
right? Chuck is a great reason uh, why this <laughs> happened and happened so well. Um, uh, and the second good tip is have a wife who is really amazing at graphic design and can make it look really cool and have a better presentation than you could do on your own. It's a really um, good looking PDF, but, by the way. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing is that they always say when they're talking about the rules, the battle tomes, all these expansions, right? They're like, you play your own game. You can pick and choose. We're not telling you how to play. We're giving you a toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. So everything in that scenario, um, everything in those scenarios are straight up from GW Publications. I straight up copied almost every rule in there except for the realm rules that I made mm -hmm. um, for the, the Gibbering Dome. And that was just due to limitations of what I wanted the event to be and what the terrain allowed. Um, but pulling it together was actually just narratively, this seems like a good scenario. What twist can I add to it from another published to make it fit into what I want to tell, the story I want to tell? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that hard coming up with scenarios. It just was a lot of looking through the books and being like, what twist makes sense? How does this work? Why is this going to make sense for me? Well, this it is was a, the writing of the world that pushes it forward. This is a, there's a there's a quote in the dirty creative realm. It's a, you know good artists borrow great artists steal. Um, uh -huh. This rule applies <laughs> to it doesn't matter if it's D and D homebrew or 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 mm -hmm. making your own narrative event. Um, you, somebody's already put in a lot of like we're coming up with a great rule. You usually don't have to rewrite a rule 100 beginning middle end. You just look at like what already mm -hmm. exists and tweak it. And you can come up with some really great stuff that way. So it doesn't need to be this insurmountable, like, oh, man, I'm just not good at making up rules. Well, you can just, you just, like, go, oh, I've got this battle plan. And, like, if I take these ba mm -hmm. this battle plan and then, like, apply, like, this different rule from, like, Shayish, uh, that normally mm -hmm. wouldn't be on, you know, Chaman, which is where I want this to take place. Now you've, like, began to uh, fill in some details with those, those yep. different elements that you've begun to put in there. So... But I love the well, I love to have good friends is is probably a better tip than steal like an artist. So. <laughs> um, and uh, if I might have a soapbox moment here, right? yeah, 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 one hundred. One of my yeah. one of my least favorite things uh, playing in an area is when somebody says it's not balanced. What good story, right? No good story starts with evenly matched forces met across a perfectly level field. <laughs> and had the same amount of energy, the same amount of weapons, and then fought to an exactly statistical standstill, right? With and a time limit. With a time exactly. limit. <laughs> yeah. With a time limit and a referee standing yeah. there, like. And so one of the things that I was concerned about is, you know, you get a player who's like, I'm going to bring this hardest nails thousand point list because I was going to play in the thousand point tournament, but now I'm playing in the Gibbering Dome instead. So I'm just going to be as competitive as I can. Right, And so one of the, the things that I did in my events to mitigate that was that first thing they did when they walked into the Gibbering Dome, they lost their general. Right? Great. You've got this awesome synergy. You've got this deadly combo. Well, I don't think it's going to work quite as well with your general missing. Um, and that's exactly the point, right? Because that immediately creates a narrative. My general is missing. I need to find my general. Right? And that was the entire thrust of the event, is I need to go find him, and where is he? And I think that that kind of a compelling story allows the players to have the narrative space 
to add their narrative to the story. If, if I and that may, was one of my main points. Yep. I think you also take the burden off of the uh, the filth whack player too when you do stuff like that. Yep. Um, because I I don't I, whack's a little bit of a four letter word here. I'm staring at my camera. Um, I I think a lot of people in a game with two win conditions or with a win condition, like a lot of people are going to want to win a game, right? Yeah. But like, it's not the only thing you want to do necessarily. Like, it's it just yeah. it's all different levers and different a different scale system within yourself. Um, but what ends up happening when you do something wacky to even somebody mm -hmm. like like who wants to win, they just like their brain starts working. Like they're used to a certain A B C. I put the strong army down. I do the combo that my army does, and then I win. And like they just. They're used to that progression, and when you jostle that around a bit, you kind of get them out of their comfort zone. Once they get out of their comfort zone, then they have to start thinking creatively, and once you get them thinking creatively, you've already got them on your side for narrative. Well, and if I may, the thing about most, you know, hard as nails whack players, right, is they don't know they're hard as nails, right? Most people don't go to 2,000-point tournaments all over the U.S., all over the world, and play competitive Age of Sigmar. And this is one of my other soapboxes, is I think 98% of players that play Age of Sigmar have never set foot in a tournament hall or played in an event. Mm. I think most players play with their friends. They might play in a basement, they might play in a game store, yeah. but as far as linking into this larger hobby community, I don't think the vast majority of players do that. So if you have a player who understands the way rules works and they've been playing against their friend and their friend is playing a list to build, beat their list because they only have two armies yeah. and you show up to an event like Adepticon, you don't know the list that you brought is something that's going to smash people's faces off. Mm -hmm. You know that the list that you brought beat your friend, right? And that make, makes for good games because you don't want to have to buy a new army. You just want and, to have good games with your friend. Yeah, and then your friend remixes his list because you're bringing this highly tailored list to their list, and this is this is how I play yeah. 40k because I never stepped foot in a, uh, uh, mm -hmm. never stepped foot at Adepticon, nothing like that when I was still playing 40k. It was just yeah. I, you know, my friends play Tyranids, I'm playing Blood Angels. I'm like, this is Space Hulk <laughs> every weekend, you know, and so we're just bringing new heat against each other's list, just torpedoing each other back and forth, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm bringing all of the Melta bikes. I'm being told by the internet they're terrible. I'm like, yeah, but they kill his Carnifexes <laughs> real fast. <laughs> so, you know, like, um, yeah, it, yeah, no, I, no, 100%, 100%. Uh, Chuck, you, I feel like you've been hanging on to something there for a, for a minute that you I, wanted to interject. I, I have a little bit. Yeah, I kind of want to share a little space in the soapbox, but with the inverse uh, mentality. Um, and I, I will see it. Um, I, I shared with you uh, my, my Tarathi's timeline, which he, uh, you can bring oh, up. Oh, it'll come up here. Yeah, it'll, it'll come up. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because you're at a competitive event doesn't mean you can't be narrative, and that's that's definitely my my mo. Like, I, I would I would um also have something to say about that when we get to my thing. I agree oh, with you. Chuck. You can you can interject yeah. here too. Let yeah, Chuck go ahead. finish yeah, go up, ahead. and then you and then you jump in there, buddy. We're already, but, we're wait, already no, on this rabbit yeah, yeah. Do you have the time right now? Uh, timeline's up right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at the timeline, like obviously there's realms at war. That's a pure narrative event, uh, kind of where kick things off. But then you see. Ren 4, which is a competitive event uh, with a little bit of narrative injected. It's not a hyper-competitive, but then there's Adepticon on this list, Wapaka, um, the Steel City, you know, and then even I even, <laughs> uh, if you look at the uh, kind of like middle upper right, you'll see ETC 2019. Not that I went, but 
my, my good friend Roger, he's like, hey, I need two Hag Queens, and I know what you probably have in your bits box, and so I put together a couple Hag Queens, and then I I painted them in his color scheme, which was red, white, and blue, and then on the little, like, USA, on, like, the... <laughs> All right, go on. On, on the backside of one. Actually, on the backside of both, like, whether it was on the robe or actually on one, just, just like, this little, like, tattoo on it, I put Terathi's rune, because they are coming from her army, wrote up a little narrative, and as soon as they went to ETC, I posted it online, and then I told the England ETC guys, I said, hey, make sure you let Roger know his narrative for his army. <laughs> <laughs> And he was blindsided. He loved it, though. Like, he came yeah. back to me and started doing narrative. And he is a very, very competitive, focused per person. So I'm just saying, like, the inverse is true, that you can go to competitive events, you can play to win with a hard-as-nails list and still have a narrative. It's true. Especially in Age of Sigmar. It makes it so much easier with the way this game's set up and our battle tomes. Oh, like we were talking about with the the uh, four uh, Grand Alliances. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to, to think about your army narratively. Even if you're, like, the toughest nails... I'm there to mm -hmm. win. Walk away with hardware, uh, Martin. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Well, no, I I was gonna say it's like because my main thing, um, especially from the gaming community I come from, like in the northeast of the United States, especially when I um, was like a kid getting in, in like the high school, like um, a lot of the uh, like Warhammer Fantasy community was just like they they either are practicing for a tournament or they are going to a tournament so there's generally like that mindset of challenging yourself and thinking about optimizing what you have um what opponents you might see and so i always i didn't really have access to people who would be like let's let's get into trying to play siege games or or narrative campaigns so i i felt like i naturally gravitated to well how do i want to express myself in terms of the story and the answer is universally it's like just just put it on your models you can you can have a competitive army list even if it if it's a lot of um like copy pasting similar duplicating units you can make those your own you have the tools at your disposal they don't come in one piece out of the box mm -hmm. you can make what you want and be expressive with it no matter what type of game you're building your army for. Right, right. No, I, I love it. Uh, GDad909 uh, says, it's why I have always loved Flesh Eater Courts. Their narrative is bonkers good. I, I think that's that's one of those armies. They're, they're just blank slate dot army. Uh, the whole thing, like, they're such a, a lore home run as an army, and it's just a darn shame I hate the sculpts. But then if you're, like, a great hobbyist, you're like, I see this as an opportunity to put... My, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. um sculpts like then um i have talked to certain games workshop like and you can go to adepticon or like an event and and they'll probably tell you this the same thing it's like um do what you want with our models especially if you're going to have fun with them um uh i remember listening to warhammer weekly the other night and Tom was talking how he was... still be here, by the way, everybody. He's just like... Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, where it's like, it's certain things, it's like, don't let what it looks like out of the box stop you from thinking about, like, well, say, say, say you even like the models, and I'll get into this a little more detail when we get to, like, just uh, me talking about my army. It's If you have an idea that doesn't exist in the stock kits figure out how to make it mm -hmm. um and and don't be afraid to push yourself 
because yeah. it's like you cannot like say you mess up a model mm -hmm. eventually go get another one or turn it into like just just don't be afraid to try and make your imagination into reality with the kids um here's the thing right if you buy a video game you mm -hmm. want to explore all the avenues right all the side quests if you want to finish the game right when you buy a model that model is yours it yeah. is your sandbox mm -hmm. so who's to say you ruin a model because you've done it the way that you want it to be right i meant like ruined it like you clipped something yeah. that you didn't want oh, yeah. to yeah that's what i mean but but the thing is the price that you paid you didn't necessarily pay the price for the model you paid the price for the hobby you paid yeah. that price for the experience and if you make a mistake on a $30 model that you're not going to make on a $120 model, more power to you because you understand what you're looking to get out of this. Hobby. I haven't touched right? Catacross yet and because I'm paralyzed. So... I'll make a mistake. <laughs> you, can like, do it. you don't, you don't walk up you. to this yeah. statue yeah, of David and just like start fucking whipping yeah. out a crayon. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I mean, like, so when I made my Flesh Eater Quartz, I used the ghoul sculpts, but then I cut off their hooves instead and put Beastman heads on them, right? Mm -hmm. And then I painted them in eight hours. And I, like, as far as their paint job quality would be considered, it'd be considered terrible. But I've got a full-on army, right? And the thing is, speaking of someone who has spent $500 on one conversion, and I know Martin is getting up there on his <laughs> well, right? At some point, it, it never again. It worked. It was it's just a vampire one-time thing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm only at the 300 Twenty dollar level, I think. Oof. That moment yeah, when I'm you take even... the Dremel to a, a a chaos war mammoth, and you just start drilling into its back because you want the howdah to be. That's when you're living, man. When <laughs> That's you're alive. Like, this is hundred dollar model. This, but this, this is, is like narrative conversion fight club. Oh man, this is, this is when you're alive. This is, yeah, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful, right? Like the the line uh, that Norton gives. Oh man, uh, the concept of taking uh, Shanzor here in, in chat gang. He's the concept of taking competitive slash netlist armies and creating a narrative. I think is the best bridge between worlds and AOS. Um, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. I think any way, like I mean. They're not mutually exclusive, and that's one of the... If you listen to Rancast for any period of time, that is one of the biggest messages I try to deliver here, is that play the game the way you love, and by the way, that doesn't mean... Like, if you love narrative, and you love, like, hobby, and you love being, you know, a competitive, trying-to-win hardware, those aren't, like, exclusionary from each other. You can do all three. I, I mean, Adam Trunzo here in our local scene is probably tens across the board in all three. You know, like he he's just mm -hmm. like excellent. And you're like, you can do that with this game. You have that capacity um, within yourself if if that's the barrier, or 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 within the community. I, I doubt that's the barrier because there's a lot of us out there who who uh, will play a competitive hard as nails game with you, but also tell you. Uh, about our sweet conversion with its own backstory, you know, like, um, well, it's, it's, I would say it's, um, kind of like the thing, and maybe this is a future episode, uh, for, for some content ideas for you here. Well, this will um, be the third time you've given me content <laughs> ideas. Go on. <laughs> understand, understand the event you're going to. So, uh, if you look at all my Tayrathi conversions, which, um, a, that, that's the other picture, but don't worry about bringing it up yet. Um, I have... <laughs> I have a lot that are 
on the appropriate size basis for a slaughter queen or a hag queen or a cauldron, but then I have one or two that are on bigger bases because they were meant and intended strictly for a narrative event I went to. Like, I made a model just for Holy Havoc. I can't use it anywhere else in my army because the base size is so much bigger and off than everything else. So it's like, you know, figure out where you want your narrative to be. Are you going to go to competitive games and you still want to have a narrative? Make sure you do that. So it's, it's understand where you're going, I guess, yeah. as far as an event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first threshold for a lot of aspects of this game is you got to understand what you want out of it. You know, I mean, it's as basic as when you walk up to the table uh, stranger or friend, what type What type of game are you looking to get today, right? Like, you can do that check at the beginning of every step of this game, whether it's prepping for a tournament, prepping your narrative. Like, um, I'll talk about one of my struggles in a moment. Um, who wants Who wants the stage next? Uh, I feel like you haven't talked a lot, Martin. No, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been... All right, so, so what do you want to start? Where do I Actually, want to start? Before you, before yeah. you begin, I have to say to both Martin, yeah, yeah. Martin and Paul, you guys are, I don't, I, I applaud people who can hobby and do this type of thing at the same time. I can't, I can't, like I have stuff all around me. I can't even yeah. touch it. I would be, what's one or the other. <laughs> I have, I have been actually experimenting because it's like I'm getting ready for Lumineth and I've been doing some color tests. Some are public, some are not. So and you're right, experimenting. You're not even just, just putting on the same thing and repetition. I can't write it down yet, but I, I do have the palette saved. I think I finally found the armor recipe. But go. anyway. And he's, and he's so, been able to like just jump right in on the conversations. Like, I go to type one thing to chat gang so that I don't have to talk over a guest. And I, like, I, I have tuned out the last 20 seconds. I have no I, idea. I actually, I actually yeah. um, unfortunately, like I have all, um, all four of us on the screen. I cannot see the chat at all. So no. I apologize. Yeah, I, this is the first time I'm doing a Discord video chat. So sorry. It's pretty decently though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So, um, one be able to listen. So we got a piece of paper here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so the thing that is is probably up there is the Warmer Community article, so I'll, which I'll go is grab the that um, real quick. Yep. Boom. Right there. Okay. Um. So, uh, death. Death was a thing. Like I'm normally like I try and do like uh, like the shiny good guy knights. They kind of squashed elves. I was like, "What? What? What else is there?" And then they took everything I loved about Space Marines and put them in the same setting as Teclas and Manfred with Stormcast. So it was like, "Sign me up!" Yeah. Uh, because I didn't. I. I. It was like I. I. I have. I do like Space Marines. Uh, and Stormcast look cooler than Space Marines, at least to me. I they agree. check a lot of boxes. The aesthetics that I want to paint. I um, mean, I did have fun with them for a good long while. Uh, and then I was like, after like two years. I was kind of like getting tired of them, and then I had this idea to do a Legions of Gash army. And somewhere in a sketchpad, somewhere from like two years ago, there's like a sketch. I can't really draw. I can, eh, but it was. It's enough to be like, well, what if Manfred von Karstein looked like a Viking? Started. <laughs> I just love that thought. Well, <laughs> I, I, to. to... I was reading through the the community article uh, yeah. getting getting ready for this, and you actually mm -hmm. a lot of your a lot of your ideas it would like I, it was it, I started a sketch I started a sketch you, mm -hmm. you do you start with a sketch often it, or like no 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 um because I can't really draw well maybe it's up here uh, a lot of it is up here um but uh one one of the things that I would say is a core uh, uh I don't I guess because there are certain things 
once just one moment i'm sorry for some reason facebook is linked to my computer and every time i get a personal message in a group chat it makes a very loud noise oh, and i'm not muted watch rantcast live and feed the algorithms <laughs> for me uh, <laughs> come on why is why is this still going anyway uh, so so while anyway you, while you punch right phone, right now now that right. i i, I hear okay. it's like this deafening ping i'm so sorry <laughs> no you're no one else can hear it right no no you're good nope. man okay cool all right um so like i i approach every new army to try and step a little bit out of my comfort zone from the previous army and then um because i tend to ruminate on it for months if not years at a time i want to take ideas like I want I want to learn something as I do the army and I definitely I, I came out of Stormcast a little bit unhappy with the visual storytelling because originally I had these ideas of what I wanted the Stormcast to look like and the Stormcast were great I know some people have seen them online some people have seen them at events um, I'm not saying the Stormcast were bad it was just it was there were certain things specifically in visual storytelling that I was unhappy with and I got on the phone with certain people because I'm never afraid. Uh, I would say, number one, never be afraid in this hobby to reach out to people that you admire and ask for their input or how they made a cool thing you like. And I did that with um, the Raw Crew, a Tyler Mengel, a handful of other hobbyists that I, I, I just deeply respect. And it's like, here's this cool thing that I've seen you do on the Internet. Could you please tell me a little bit? about how you made it so I can incorporate that knowledge into my own projects. Worst case scenario, they don't reply to you. Oh, well, you go to somebody else because there's a lot of talented people in this community. Aegis Sigmar specifically is very, is, is very hobby driven, especially like on social media. Right, right. Not, not, not gonna judge me one way Suck or another. Suck at 40k. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll play the flag. Oh, I'm, I'm not gonna play that flag. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, so I had this idea. It's like, um, because my my main love is high elves, and at the time when I was starting the Death Army, I was prepared for high elves to either be gone forever, or just not come back for years and years. Luckily, I finished it right on time, because by the time I was ready to be done the Death Army, here come the Luminous Realm Lords, happy camper. Anyway, fast, we're, we're rewinding about seven or eight months where it's like, I didn't know that was actually a thing. Well, and... I remember you sent me a message, you're like, right when OBR were about to come out with, and you're kind of like, really deep in your army, you're like, I think I just picked the wrong time to get it on LON type thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, because one of the things I wanted with Legions of Nagash was also, like, how to become a better gamer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm still on that quest, because unfortunately it did not work out well, because I picked, like, Legions of Nagash was, like, near the top for a while. And the army that I took to a GT in November was ultra competitive. Like, I want to say... Adepticon 2018, uh, and like well through 2018, not at the end of 2019, it got destroyed. It is it is pretty like on paper it seems all right, but just like how other armies work the and what they're technology. good at killing, yeah. right? It's, it's it's but that's that's fine. Like, it happens. Uh, and and that's another thing with the elves where it's like everyone's going to be on equal footing when this army comes out. We're all going to figure out together what's good and what's not. I already want to build and paint all of it, so it's a win win for me. I love seeing other people get the OBR effects, which is like how I felt. I'm like, I know I'm buying every box in this army, and uh, well, whether I, it's good I, or I, not, I, I, you know, like, yeah, we'll he just won it all. 
Yep. Right. But anyway, so I, I had this idea, and, and one of the things um, that I would say uh, is like a core, a core thing for me, because I come from a background where my local community and regional community is very much match play competitive tournament oriented, but I still have that itch to express myself within the story, is um, like I want as much of that to appear in the models as possible, because it's uh, like... More often than not, my opponents will be like, well, well, it's not their hobby. Their hobby is figuring out the tactics and the strategy and, and bettering themselves and enjoying just the pure strategy of the game. But um, I want that narrative to exist, if at the very least for me, but for also for other people. So visual storytelling, I think, is important. So and for, right. So so um, for me, right. when I created the Death Army, because when I say it's like, well, what if Manfred was a Viking? Uh, there are certain things if you, if you really want to be there. There, I would say there are two types of narrative armies. There is a narrative army where it is just about what you want. It is not necessarily canon, or it's just it uses things. A, a good friend of mine, um, his name's Mike. He created a beautiful corn army, but he's always about crazy stuff. Like he has, he'll chop up uh, Forge World stuff. He'll add like um, there was a Elder Scrolls big collected edition statue of one of the Daedric princes, and he casts some of their weapons. And he's like adding stuff where it's like put Mortarian's wings on a Gorgon, and then gave it um, <laughs> one of the Bloodthirster faces, and then gave it like third-party weapons and stuff. And it's like. That is how he expresses himself. The narrative is like, he, he, he's, it's like, this is not just corn, this is my corn, or this is my crazy idea. It doesn't really have to fit into the world. And then there are people who want it to be as canon or as much of a similitude as possible. Well, and, you, hmm? if I may, you mentioned something a little yeah. bit earlier, like when, so, so like, okay, the sculpts aren't to your stand, they're not what you want, so you do whatever with right. them. Like, ghouls was the example we are using a little bit right. earlier. So you want to make the ghouls look like they are the fallen Bretonians. And so you just bash the shit out of it, you paint the hell out of them, and now you've got Bretonians. Mm -hmm. What happens when you love the sculpts already and you, you struggle to, like, convert them? This is Then you don't, you don't have to convert them. Okay. It, it's, it's, conversions are not required. Oh, someone's pet. Yeah. yeah. This is Rose. <laughs> this is my cat Rose. Hi, Rose. Named after the Doctor Who character. <laughs> nice. Okay, so we got a couple and, of Hoovians yeah. in the audience. <laughs> anyway, um, so so like, uh, uh, um, if if we want to talk about Warhammer Fantasy, because maybe then I'm like the only person at the table. It's like I had no problem coming up with my own lore for characters in Warhammer Fantasy. It's it's I I think no character is too small to make your own. Um, like I had um, a prince, which I made like because. Um, one of the things I didn't like about high elves was that there were there are not a lot of uh, women knights. Like I wanted like a woman warrior that wasn't just like a mage, and it was just it was just something I wanted. And I created this character where um, I ended up having to sculpt a lot of the. Um, it was like um, uh, like a little bit of like inspired by like a Witcher costume, like a little bit of armor, a little bit of of, of gambeson. I used the coven thrown ahead because that was just like it looked like it had this nice ponytail that went across and then I gave her a wet like 
just um, no, no bit was too small for me to use and repose to make a custom character. And it was just, she was an elf prince, but it looked like no one else's. And it also looked like it fit within the Warhammer world that checked all of the boxes for me. Did she have a name? I don't think that mattered as much as what it looked like. Um, if I may now just get back to, cause I have the little paper there. Um, one of my key inspirations, especially as I, as I've learned from the death army and go into, to Lumineth is, um, trying to make it not so much like try and, uh, make it as like naturalistic as possible. You, you like, uh, it's key world building. Like you, you want you want to um, implement degrees of immersive realism instead of forcing like every once in a while in certain fantasy like television or books where it's like the character has to turn to the audience and give them a wink like just just buy into it just just believe yeah. that this yeah. universe exists suspend your disbelief right suspend us. your disbelief if you get to a point where your models are are like you're almost like you're painting historical miniatures you're not painting fantasy miniatures anymore you're trying to think about how those textures might um actually like look on certain creatures like what would their skin actually be like if you, if you wanted to think about for a minute um what um for cities of sigmar like what a regular um state troop would look like what the leather would be like if there's like there's dirt and and stuff like that and making up your own heraldry and how that would be represented on the models what the material their clothing is made of and you can get into all of these things that if if you um without any conversions you you can already implement a degree of immersive realism to your models that not everyone may expect and it can just enhance the impact that your models have when someone looks at them See. uh so so getting back to the death which i assume is still on screen what's uh, the first no, no, I got your, i've got blood bear up here right now so oh. all right so he was the first model and i wanted this viking sort of like it's a little bit of celtic lore a little bit of scandinavian and but i still wanted just a little bit of of like the true like canon warhammer stuff in there so because a lot of it is sculpted i had to teach myself sculpting for this it was just like i this does not exist i have to make it myself so i started looking at certain references like um the father from how to train your dragon um stoic the vast i think his name is mm -hmm. um Great like that body anyway. type and it was like i want i looked at like certain things like that because that it's a very cartoonish body type like he's he's like a giant pear-shaped man with with legs like as thin as quarters like it it it's it fits kind of like in the warhammer like it's it's silly like that it fits yeah. um but then yeah, I this guy's fighting orcs you're like yeah this tracks uh-huh <laughs> right so i i i just started looking at sprues like what can be a base form so i found like the nurgle bodies it's like i wanted to, like i want a fat bald giant bearded monster of a man who was also a vampire and i came up with it's like he is the blood bear he is a bear-sized man and it's like i i wanted a physical terrifying presence to replace the vampire lord on zombie dragon which can be a little classical and i wanted something that challenged the tropes while also fitting in the warhammer setting 
So I got like the dwarf, like a lot of my vampires, um, like the blood knights too have dwarf heads because those beards go down half their chest. It really has this visual impact. Um, and then I painted that pale skin and he only has the gold eyes. Um, and then I sculpted jewelry and things that would fit. Um, and I draw on a little bit of history too. He has this brooch on one of his shoulders, which is a, I looked at a, a museum. It's like an eighth century style of, um, Viking brooch, but instead of the crest for, um, I forget whatever the crest was actually, um, I put in there Archon's, um, the jet, his symbol of office, which is, um, it's, it's a hexagonal gem yeah. of black jet. Uh, just in case this army was supposed to be for Legion of Sacrament, to tie him as one of the Black Disciples for Archon. Now, he's he's showing his loyalty to um, the Legions of Nagash, the Canon Warhammer stuff, but in his way, which is this Dark Ages-style, like, masonry. Uh, and then it's like, boom. Oh, and um, the last thing, because I wanted a little extra color flair... And because of all of the rust and, and aged metal, I decided that all of the lances would be made of soul energy. And so he has at the end of his thing, which is the, the Manfred Sickle, it's, it's just made of this, and it has this nice shock of blue and black color. Or just, it's mainly like, it reads as blue to contrast the rest of the uh, the model. Yeah, you got orange and so you go go uh, blue to get that, right. that kind of And and like you already had you have all of the 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 pale organic textures compared to the vampires uh like oranges and rusts metallic so, textures. So you're but very anyway. much about the visual story. Like this is right. this is really where I mean we saw right, right. with Paul uh, taking the rules, bringing the rules through the narrative into the yes. visual. Yeah. You you go so, really hard for the visual right uh, because um a lot of times if i'm playing someone like a stranger at an event i want my army to stick in their mind as that narrative and like i um i don't i don't want to be able to have to tell someone anything for people to get their imagination going with what stuff is in my army mm -hmm. uh and i used him as the cornerstone for like the the army aesthetic and i started branching out from there and that carries through and everything i think except the chain rasps because the chain rasps are two-piece snap fit models mm -hmm. and i was nothing really i could do with them in terms of conversions i, I didn't feel like it was appropriate either well i remember you were you were early on in the stages of, of talking about lon and stuff like that and one of the messages you had sent me is you wanted to have visually distinct you wanted to have that like it wasn't just for you you didn't just want to make a hard as nails busted mono right or like you didn't want to be like all ghosts and grim gas right. and you wanted to have some ghosts and some some skeletons yeah. and some you wanted to have that like that ca the full castlevania the full monty you yes know? Yes. Of each thing. So. And, and so I thought about, like, even before I made an army list, I, I, I looked at each unit in the book and said, how can I make this fit this army theme? And sometimes the answer is, change nothing, paint it this way. Mm -hmm. um, so for, like, the simple things would be, like, for the Grave Guard. Um, the Grave Guard are the honored champions, because it's like it had this sort of thing where um, the Chain Rasps in the Night Haunt lore are the lowest of the low. They are like the the souls of criminals and thieves and just just petty bs that is is like that they are the dregs 
the Dreg Souls well, of the afterlife. Nagash has a really great, like, Hades-esque, right. like, poetic punishment mm -hmm. for everybody. Right, so so mm -hmm. in, in the army, when I finished up the list, there are which two big awesome. blocks of troops. Um, so you have the lowest of the low, which are the Chain Rasps, and then you have Graveguard, and I wanted them in the lore to be, like, these exalted, uh, sort of, like, um, uh, and I, I imagine this thing where um, the champions of, of these cultures across centuries, if a warrior die a noble death, they got buried in the special crypt. And at the time, like the wolf time, or, or like basically like the necroquake, they would all march out of this crypt to represent all of the heroes of this culture more, um, fighting as one unit. And so I tried my best. Unfortunately, the Grave Guard, they have cool costumes, but their sculpts are very dated and very Warhammer Fantasy. Look well, you got Grell in here, by the way. So oh, that, so that's one of my cornerstone things that carries over from Warhammer Fantasy, um, especially when I got into High Elves, is that there were certain units which were just terrible, or certain characters that you just never took, and I always wanted them to be expressed in some way, because I wanted to paint everything a little bit, and I would find ways of taking characters no one gave a shit about, and implementing them as unit champions. We all gave a shit about crap. Come on. <laughs> no, no, continue. Right, but I, I meant in terms of rules. I know, I know. Um, so, like, Corhill would become the champion of my white lions. Don't you talk about, about Corhill. Don't you talk about Corhill. Wait, wait, it's fight and die. Don't. Those are fighting words. Yeah. This I like this, them all. It's just this like character no not... one gave a shit about Corhill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the end times. Man, it's awesome in the end times. Anyway. Oh, man. You, you get what I'm Boss saying. Boss a little bit. <laughs> I know what you're saying. We're just... Yeah. And, 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 and unit champions to me was a chance to almost like make a, a character even in, in miniature. It's like I wanted to make my own unit champion. That hero quality. Right. The, and then yeah. and just let's scratch my itch for like just painting extra characters. Um, I love so that. I'm going like, to steal that, by the way. For, for, so I use Krell as the unit champion for the Grave Guard. I use the uh, Guardian of Souls as the unit champion for the Chain Rasps. Which is in there, yeah, cool. um, yeah right there. And, the, right, so 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 we have that. Um, I then love the red, I start, by the way. That red is really striking with your color. That, that is all uh, Nocturna. Uh, I don't I don't work for them, but these these are these are my favorite paints, the Nocturna paints. Uh -huh. Anyway, I just I just showed a box, and it's, I'm not probably even on screen. Anyway, <laughs> you are. <laughs> but the I audio, uh, I appreciated it, Martin. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, and then I started thinking about other aspects of like what the society would be like. And I thought about like this, I was fixated in this idea of death druids where you had like, um, I started getting into the Celtic stuff where the nature and, and, and the mother goddess stuff, but how, what would, what would that sort of uh, mythology be like if Nagash is your exalted God? And I got into um, the necromancers on there. The one with I, the face. I pulled thing. up. I, I pulled up yeah. uh, your your necromancer. Yeah. So so if um, she got like the, the crow the crow staff. Um, yeah. So that's some um, two underworlds characters. Uh, it's just basically and then like I gave a high elf knife to her. And it was just very e it was very easy. Like there was too like e like almost oh, too easy. Right. It was like just change her head, make that hand a weapon. Boom. Um, I used. Um, uh, historically accurate, or at least we believe is historically accurate face paint for the character. That was that was a tough face to paint, by the way, with the eyes. Like I know it's probably you can't really tell on the Warmer Community page, like. But if I send you like the actual JPEG of that photograph, you can see the highlights in there 
I was like, I can't do this on more than one person. The, the blurry Warhammer community photo I have is already beyond my ability, so I'm impressed. It's yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's like I, I I I tried to paint this character and give her life, where it's like this is this is um like a an up and coming sort of. Uh, I was tired of the necromancer looking like this old decrepit. decrepit they, yeah. Yeah. So it's like she's this 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 like this this twenty something like um up and coming necromancer who by some way or another has been pulled into this grand host of Nagash and just turning the trope a little bit on its head. Um, and then we have the Vampire Lord. He was kind of last minute because I originally had the Knight of Shrouds in there and it was like, um, I had to come up with a Vampire Lord guy. And I, I like that you tied in your sort of soul energy weapon things in for his wings. Yeah. Almost like these are conjured Thank wings yeah. and not... Yes, and I, not, I, I was. I just despised the idea of, of the mutant wings. I wanted it to be a little bit more low fantasy and say if he's going to have wings, he's going to summon them magically instead. I just I, I just didn't like the idea of having a sort of like mutant guy in, in the army. I, for one, did uh, the, uh, the Legacy of Cain Blood Omen wings, but... Uh... Continue. <laughs> I was just. This is my personal taste for this I know, army. I know, man. I know, man. I'm all right. Kidding. Anyway, just making video um, game and, references. All right. Well, he, he's, 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 he's basically the. He he was he's basically like the dragonborn. Like I gave him the warcry helmet, which was just like this looks like the Skyrim helmet. Yeah. I put him on. Um. I gave like the corn body, and then he's Gotrex weapon and Manfred's weapon, and he's just leaping off this pole. He's gonna his blood coming down. I was just um. And I tried a little bit of uh, Celtic like sort of tattoo on his one arm, and it 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 works. It works well enough. So um. So yeah. fast forwarding a little bit, like you you yeah. said, you said that um. Like, you go into each one of your projects kind of, like, to learn a lesson, to challenge right. yourself and learn a lesson. What were you trying – what was the lesson you were trying to learn here? Um, and I what, did you, to... what did you learn going into now – your next project, I just assume, is right. going to be elves, pointy elves. Yes. Working on right now. <laughs> right. Uh, so I would say I wanted to learn two things. It was weathering and textures and um, improving visual storytelling. Um and I learned from that, like, I think I, I learned a lot from how I can implement visual storytelling into my hobby. And it's helped me teach other people, because like, people ask about the army, and I'm able to give, a, like, a little bit of the spiel to other people. Um, and the, the thing I've learned about weathering is that it's, it's very tough to paint something that looks realistically dirty. Then it, it's tougher to do that than it is to paint something kind of crisp and clean. And I don't want to do it again for a unit of like thirty to forty skeletons. No, Fair thank enough. you. Fair enough. So Andrew yeah. yells here real quick. Said wild army. I have no desire to convert anything. If you ever convert an extra army and need to get rid of it, <laughs> send it to me to paint, please. So, so I will say this: you do not conversions are not required. I, I, um, I have been judges for events. I run my own tournaments as well. And sometimes when I consult on paint packets, it's like, well, we want conversions to like, you can oh. give points for conversions, but I don't feel like they should be absolutely required, especially Paul's... when. Uh... Go ahead, finish your thought. Finish your thought, and then okay. Paul's got to jump in here. No, no, I, I understand. It's like, um, you should be able to do as many conversions as you want. And I like the idea of rewarding army wide conversions. But I feel like that skill isn't something that everyone has at their disposal. Or they're like, I like the models as they are. 
like the I'm, like kit I'm struggling. I'm struggling with Osiric Bone Reapers to find conversion opportunities. A lot of it's right. On the a lot of it's coming yeah. on my basing, or like really subtle like kit swaps. So like yeah. my banners on my Mortec Guard. I like I was putting together some Cavalos Death Riders. I'm like these guys have like sweet ass crows circling their banners. I'm like, can I just take this and put it on my Mortec Guard? I'm like, hey, it works. It's perfect. Like yeah, you know, and, and I, like I was the same way with the Stormcast where I did just did a little bit of head swaps and some weapon swaps and that was it. So it's like I feel like um, if you are a kit purist, um, I recommend just digging deeper into the story or making up um, like or like envisioning your own to change or or implement the colors and like the heraldry mm -hmm. i would say is, is the best way to put it because um like the song of ice and fire miniatures tend to be one piece miniatures right but you can paint them like any of like the vassal houses and like introduce your own sort of take on the lore of that game using just one piece models so if you're a kid purist you can still be a visual storyteller fair enough paul you... I would say, Andrew, what yes, do you sir. call that Phonagoric spell you have on your display board if that is not a conversion? Oh, well, that's... <laughs> that's going to lay it else. out there. Yeah, yeah, he, uh... Yeah. I'm so sorry. I thought Paul was about to, like, fight me for, for this sort of, like... <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, uh, understandable. I would... That's a typical reaction for me. I would... Mm -hmm. So I, so I uh, actually struggled getting my paint scheme together for my Bone Reapers because the first message someone sent me uh, when I was uh, coming up with, like, themes and stuff was that, like, don't paint them purple. The first thing he, he just sent me a text. <laughs> like, it didn't even, like, I wasn't talking to him about hobby. I, I hadn't, like, mentioned it really. Just, like, first, it just, don't paint your Bone Reapers purple. Just sends that message to me straight. <laughs> and I'm like, I was already like, but I love purple. And so the other thing is, like, Haywo has, has really helped me uh, sort of tackle my hobby a lot. And he he's very much like, if it's fur it should look like fur if it's leather it should look like leather he you know he's he light he's in that vein and i'm like well i wanted to paint him with purple armor and i'm just, <laughs> just like sitting here struggling uh to, to like come up with my scheme and then eventually i just like you know i, I did my test model i'm like just gonna make it fucking purple fuck it fuck everybody <laughs> so, i just like get mad and i start painting so can, it purple. can i just say something yeah can go I ahead yeah so um, what i'm working on right now is is an elf and I want I want to maximize contrast and and stuff. And I was like, um, one of my main um, inspirations so far was one of Elrond's costumes in the Hobbit movies, where he has this red tinted gold armor. It's only in one scene when he saves the Hobbit, uh, the the dwarves at the, in the first movie. And I was painting true metallic that that true metallic scheme on a few test models, and it was just not reading well. So I've decided to just paint it like this. Um, this wine or or plum sort of uh, color, and just as that color, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to think about how bone would look for the bone reapers if it was painted that color. Because paint does chip; it interacts with the world in a certain way, and you can you can uh, the textures and your imagination can run one wild in in terms of making those textures appear realistic on the bone. Like my, that, you know my, what I mean? Yeah, my thought was that they, um, so what you're saying is to essentially like go th with my, uh, if I were to do it for their bones, uh, do my techniques, what I do for bones with like my screaming skull and my shades and my yeah. dry brushing and stuff, but do that with purple. Yeah, cool. Except I did it for their armor and I came up with a whole bullshit spiel for why it's purple, which mm -hmm. is the amethyst. There you go. 
Uh, you see, ameth the amethyst wind is the death wind, and that is purple. And since they are bone, they are shaping bone with their crazy magics into whatever form they wish. Uh, that 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 death magic just gets into like their armor, and so it, it yeah. gets purple tinge. But now I need to um, become a better hobbyist and paint yeah. it to look like it's not just purple armor, but rather that it is ensorcelled purple, right? I uh, and that's uh, that's advanced strats in like two years when I'm good. Yeah, but. I, I I I would I would just add because I just consulted my notes again, and and one of, one of my main inspirations is, is like the the guys at Weta Workshop. If you ever watched the original Lord of the Rings trilogy behind the scenes, it's it's just you talking like, the cartoon amazing. the uh, the you talking the extended uh, extended editions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I think he was about to make a Ralph Bakshi joke, but he couldn't remember the name. Ah, right. uh, uh, wizards? Are you talking about wizards? Right. Oh so, so it's it's this whole idea. <laughs> Opportunity of, passed. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's this whole idea of if you really want to get into the narrative, even of the 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 the, the narrative that Games Workshop has written, because um, there's, there's there's this this whole idea of balancing how much of your own story do you want to tell versus um, enjoying the canon story that Games Workshop has given you as in terms of like um, that sandbox. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's definitely about the cultural inheritance and sort of like this art history. Like uh, Warhammer, we, we interact with the world of Warhammer exclusively through the strategy battle game. So that small window you see of, of the, the army and the, the armor and and the costumes of your of the characters that you've you've made as miniatures is but the smallest window and there's this wider no there's supposed to be this wider universe which led to the creation of the army that you're using in a game mm -hmm. and trying to bring in more of that that context can really supercharge how you paint and present your miniatures you don't have to convert them at all you can like one of the things I'm going to try and do with the elves is I don't want to say, I want to say just like light touch conversions just to try and bring in more of that 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 wider world mm -hmm. to sh to show that this, this this is but a taste of the culture of the Lumineth mm -hmm. and you can apply that to to orcs to flesh eater courts um, to your own custom idea like Ricky Smith's um, cities of Sigmar army. Uh, the Midnight City, I believe it's called. Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, or or um, Steve Foote's uh, Skaven Army, something like that. Or the or... Market. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean... right. And and th those things exist in the lore. You can choose to just completely make up your own thing, but if you really enjoy the core Warhammer story, You're don't gonna... be afraid to bring in more influences yeah. Yeah. from those books into your models. Okay. Uh, all right. Actually, two. Oh, oh, Paul. Yeah, Paul sorry. Paul, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, to to further on that, right? Like, we're all talking about narrative is creating our narrative, converting our models, right? If it is just a frame mind, it's something other than that, right? And you know, it, we have this great selection of Black Library novels now. The background of the Battle Tome. If you've never read the background in your Battle Tome, please go read it. Oh right? my God! It, it's a yeah. I. Yeah. And since Sam isn't here yet, I'm going to go and spruik. So, like, listen to the Mortal Realms, right? Sorry, I'm spruiking myself, but, like, go listen to our <laughs> reviews. Go yeah. listen to the Black Library. You're... Go listen to Garage Hammer. Go listen to 2 Plus Tough, right? Well, like, no, don't go listen to Garage is... Hammer um, because we hate them. 
canonically speaking. Um, oh, but... <laughs> I like you, David. It's, it's a hey, joke. They it's are a Warhammer joke. heroes. It's a sir. joke. Warhammer heroes. I have to. Um, I, have, I have to. Um, I was about to say it's like I, I can't actually participate in that because um, apparently. Um, David has been a friend of the family for about like 10 no, years. I just played with uh, yeah, David at PACA. Um, we, gotcha. we, we did AOS the musical and I told him oh, about okay. the rolling joke. One per like one of one person in chat once said something like, Oh, I don't really watch garage hammer. And it w happened during <laughs> the, the spiel of like, I said, like, I never read Harry Potter really because it was just before my time. And then that's what started the whole I hate Harry Potter, Star Wars, and oh. uh, and uh, Garage Hammer. It just all happened around the same time. And so, like, anytime so, we get a so, new thing that so, I hate, so it's just... Canonically, it's you love Dave, you love Alex, you just don't like Garage Hammer. Right, yeah, they're great guys. Okay. <laughs> um, like, fantastic. They're like, fantastic guys. You know, once, like, I, I said so, like, I said something to Alex where, like, I was like, I'm just like, I was like, oh, man, yeah, but I'm terrible at Warhammer. And he just, like, put a hand on my back in the most purest human moment. And he's like, you're great at Warhammer. What are you talking about? And I'm like, and it was not in the Alex persona. And I was just like, you know, I, I love this guy. In that moment, it was just like, this is one of the <laughs> best guys. Um, I really needed that. Dad. I'm like, I did. I'm like, I'm like, thanks, Dad. Like, man, I was just like, yeah. No, no, we, we actually do love Garage Hammer. Go listen to them right mm -hmm. now. Turn off Rantcast. Uh, come back in a couple minutes. Um, so now uh, Mortal Realm. Talk about this. how it is, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Actually, uh, uh, to, to go back on topic real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The point that's, that's wait, wait. Made. We do that. We do that. No, oh, we've uh, been pretty. We've been holding yeah. pretty firm to the topic tonight. I... <laughs> um, pa painting wise, you can also create some narrative in your army, not necessarily with conversion, as as they were saying. So, an example is uh, my Dodgers Cane army, which, as you know, I'm going to keep going back to and over and over again. No, but if no. if you look at my entire army, um, with the exception of one model, well, two models. Um, all the eyes are painted just pure white. I just want a pure white, like like that fanatical look from it. Unless you look at Marathi, she's the only one that has pupils. They gave her sort of like cat eyes just to be fun, and it was a little bit easier to paint. But also, when we get into it, my army narrative is not necessarily fully against Marathi, but it's kind of opposed along the same line as like it's it's following Marathi, but it's also kind of like butting heads with her. Mm -hmm. So I wanted her to blend in with the army but i wanted to have one thing which i did it on the eyes she doesn't look right if you really sit and look at it and look at all the eyes this is more rathy and not tay rathy yet right more rathy not tay rathy yeah tay rathy and marathy <laughs> are friends important. not friends <laughs> oh, no this is very, the rivals, uh, right? like, rivals, uh yes. mephisto if i send you an image um through discord can you put it on the screen uh it's best to send it to me through like uh twitter right now Alright, then I'll send it to you through Twitter. Because cool. um, some people saw, I posted, like, I, I ended up in this at, like, the right time, like, starting on an elf project, like, because I had planned for elves to possibly be years away. Mm -hmm. So there are certain things, because my elf project is, like, so big, it's going to take a few years, like, there's, like, certain Cities of Sigmar stuff as well. Um, so I have been working on a character, because Chuck, Chuck got me into the idea yeah. of... Um, and so I have, um, basically, uh, my Vegeta to, to Teyrathi is, like, Goku. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't pick that. He's uh, the one that chose, uh, he chose me to I, be Goku. I'm just gonna go ahead and spam Mr. Meph not a weeb real quick so people know, um, in my chat. I just know. sent you, I just sent you the character art via, um, uh, Twitter. Right on. Yeah. Um, um so there's... 
Oh. Speaking of uh, not a weed, wait till you see my uh, Kurt uh, Terathi commission art piece that's happening. My wife is doing it, and she does a very anime-type style. It's yeah. going to be a Chibi Terathi. Is it going to be over Chibi Terathi? I love it. Wow, this is... Yeah. This is pretty sick. So, so a friend of mine painted that. Um, he he's not really a Warhammer fan. Like I've I've posted on Twitter how you can get in touch with him. He does commissions and stuff. He also does professional work. Um, so his name's Cleveland Mosher. Like, uh, but he's 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 not really like. Unfortunately, he's probably not going to listen to this or anything. But um, so that is a, a character by the name Damn of it. Prince Knights. What Prince? What Prince Nightscar? As you can tell, he's he's a. Yeah, um, and so he's going to be a recurring character, like because the the idea um, ultimately is to have enough um, painted elf stuff that I can use them in multiple armies in multiple allegiances. Mm -hmm. uh, so like for cities of Sigmar, possibly um, like the the Lumineth and maybe armies in the future, or like Grand Alliance, um, like is to keep sort that, of loadout. That, keep that thread going through all your armies, right? Right. Right, and and so there are going to be certain characters who are like supposed to, like original and and wholly my own. Right, and he's he's so so he can be like a wizard or like a character in Cities of Sigmar, possibly Lumineth or something and like so that. So this is this is you kind of expanding from just your visual style mm -hmm. to actually like fixing your narrative on on a character. Right, now. right, and that was that was yeah, and, and but is, I'm also this is the Chuck. This is the Chuck influence, right? Right, right, <laughs> um, but he, he will eventually. He will eventually be a miniature. I have to figure out how I'm how I'm going to paint that and whatnot because um, that that visual looks very striking in two dimensions, three dimensions. We're going to figure it out. Right. Um, it's very cool right here too. So you're going to have to warm it up, I think. Huh? Yeah, it's very cool. The image is very cool here. Yeah, so yeah. Two um, D. So you'll have to warm that cause, up. Because because the that art is based on um, my favorite artist that Games Workshop employs. It's a man named Paul Dainton. If you just look up him. And, like, Warhammer art, all of the stuff he's done over the years comes up. It's a lot of iconic pieces. And uh, my friend, the artist, I showed him, like, Paul Dainton's work, and he really um, hooked onto that and then tried to employ that sort of imitation impasto, a lot of the um, the fake brush strokes and, like, yeah. paint buildup that, like, you can see, like, if you really get in close and look at that. And so stuff like that is, is going to start coming out in terms of, of like, the characters are going to look like their own creations and not just this is a really cool interpretation of the mage kit that comes out for this army right and and then go going from there so i have definitely big plans on um how to implement that sort of storytelling with the elves yeah. i really can't wait to get started on those kits i can't wait to see uh see the progress on on uh on yeah. twitter so so last question then we're going to move on to chuck because i know he's just got this 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 info dump is his brain. I can see it like just under the surface here. <laughs> puffy pants. Yes or no. Yay or nay on the puffy pants. It was that to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the techless pants, his pants game. Oh. Are they on point? Would you say that's pants game? 100? Oh. oh, um, I, 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 I like the costume. <laughs> I, I think it's fine. Um, I th I think the layout of the miniatures it could could use Awkward. some work. I mean, it is it is a three dimensional. We're like, only seeing it in one like the one. Yeah, if you look in the trailer, it's clearly supposed to occupy more of a three dimensional space because they probably had a challenge of 
well, this guy is not mutated. Like he's, 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 it's basically just a 54 millimeter elf guy. Mm -hmm. What do we do to not just put him on a 60 mil base? Because then he's very hard to get to. It becomes like the Gulliman problem in 40k, where one of the most powerful characters in the faction is on such a small footprint, it's easy to hide him. And it doesn't work for Games Workshop's narrative, especially in Age of Sigmar. See, I had just hoped so... that they'd have just said, this guy's a god now, and he'd have just been a counterpoint to Nagash, just floating and sorceled in magic. Yeah, 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 I understand He could have been that. a 12-foot-tall, quote-unquote, 10-foot-tall, 20-foot-tall god. Well, technically, Nagash is about the same size. Like, a lot, I, I remember yeah, I said Nagash that on Twitter. Yeah, but really a god, so... What? What? Throwing things at my screen right now. Okay, Rant right. over. End the stream now. <laughs> All anyway. right, man. All right. Anyway, so... I just can I just can I just finish yeah, finish it off. Yeah. Finish it off. Yeah. Right. Um, the last time Teclas got a costume was basically like I get he got a sculpt in like 2003, but is basically his iconic image is older than I am. It was like from 1992. So you have to update it somehow. Oh, and I like. Man. Right. Um, I mean, to, to be to be fair, little green yeah. stuff you could turn it back into a robe. Sure. Pretty easily. <laughs> sure. That's your thing. Uh, and and it's, it's it's just like, well, what do they do? They they just they made a decision, and in terms of like, I actually it, like the sculpt personally. I I think it's fine. I but think it, it's, it did the. Weird... I can understand what this worked for people. I um I want to I got to see it in three dimensions because it's it, where he is floating. I'm like, okay, you know, but but once I see it in, in person, it'll, it'll, I'm a little bit ambivalent leaning towards, like, I can see this working. Uh, I had wished he had been, like, the 10 foot, the 20 foot tall, 14 karat gold, like, uh, statuesque uh, feature, like, a counterpoint to Nagash, an order version of that. Um, yeah. I actually really like the weird, the weird uh, monster dude, like... When you go too weird, I know you're in the right space, and I think they went too weird with it, and I'm 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 all for that. Go go yeah. too weird, please. Yeah, Paul, what's up, man? Picture this: Teclas's torso, Alario's legs, job done. Oh, Alario's legs on anything. Yeah, job she done. Skip leg days. <laughs> <laughs> she does not skip leg days. Speaking of not skipping leg day, a guy who's never skipped leg day a day in his life. Chuck, uh -huh. what do you got for us for today? He's put, like he's like that is a lie. Put Alario's legs. No, no, on, actually. Uh, it's Our not. I do. I do. Torso on legs. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I, I do leg day too much, actually. You, yeah, you, you had extra leg days in. Like a man who has extra leg days, Chuck Moore. Actually, uh, actually yeah. In in the uh, in the gains workshop WhatsApp chat today, they were talking about some new people. My favorite pun. <laughs> so, someone was. They were talking like you know you should mix up body parts. You shouldn't do legs twice in a row. And I'm sitting there like I'm on my fourth day of legs. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm. Like, I, I can't, I'm just going to stay quiet. That's where all the power comes from. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so, so you, uh, actually, we, we got talking back on the, uh, the first episode of Rankcast I had you on, we were, we couldn't help but talk about Tayrathi and your personal yeah. narrative, and, uh, one thing I've personally struggled with, with injecting my narrative into the story, and as we've been talking a little bit here, uh, I think I kind of identified my problem. I grew up in the war old world, uh, Warhammer uh, Fantasy Battle, where I kind of wasn't allowed to have my story in there if I had a character who was... If it, it was Vlad von Karstein, it was Vlad von Karstein's story. You know, I was running Vlad. I wasn't running. And that was one of the first things I said when I played my Legion of Nagash army, is like, oh yeah, that's Nagash. Like, I'm not, I'm not running 
someone else like that is Nagash. I mean, yeah, it's an avatar of, and he's got several throughout the world, but, you know, I struggled with that. And you're, you basically just went just, like, all the way with, with infusing your narrative into your army. It had no problems, like, fixing that point on, on a single character saying, no, this isn't Morathi, this is Tayrathi. And we did talk a little bit about that before, but, but why don't you go ahead and now you've got the spotlight, you've got the full soapbox moment, kind of take us through um, your narrative, your army, and your sort of tenets. Well, the, uh, I guess the start, um, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a known thing, like, I love Taylor Swift music, uh, she's a great person. So, Tayrathi is based on Taylor Swift's, Swift mixed with Marathi. Um, so it, it, it started as like this funny little thing. It wasn't anything super serious because I was kind of a carryover from, you know, the you know, eighth edition. It's like, okay, it's just loose. It's fun, whatever. But then it started gaining more ground. Um, specifically when I decided to go to realms of war, um, a pure narrative event, those guys were immense in helping me like learn how to craft narrative and go like, oh, this can be a real thing. And, and sure, there's there's the meme there, but like uh, like the new art I'm getting commissioned by my wife actually, and then all stuff going forward is based upon the model, not necessarily uh, based upon the great stone uh, stone monk art that he did, where it was Taylor Swift in Marathi's outfit, which is fun and I love it and it's a beautiful piece, and uh, I still make plenty of use of it. But you know, but saying like you can start anywhere. I started as this loose kernel of an idea, and it was just like, oh wait a minute, let's let's continue down this thread. Let's make it real within the mortal realms, which for me a creating a, uh, an original character and setting it within an army like that was the start and then it just kind of grew over time and I was just like well what, what would her motivation be like so you know if you have a character they need to have motivations and the easiest way actually I think I talked to Martin about this in the private chat months ago the easiest way to develop a motivation for a character is well, who's opposing that character and I was like well it'd be interesting Daughters of Cain you know, dark, you know, dark elf type mentality. Let's have Marathi be the antagonist. Okay, well, what would, what would Tayrathi oppose Marathi, who's, you know, she's clearly part of this army. Oh, well, she finds out that Marathi has the uh, heart of Cain and is suppressing Cain from coming back. And she's like, oh no, we gotta stop this. Right. So, so I made Marathi the antagonist, the protagonist, and just, but they, technically they both want the same thing, like, like in different ways. Um, so it's, it doesn't really oppose it, and I can put Marathi in an army with Tayrathi, and it's still okay. I might say, you know, like, they might not be happy about it, <laughs> per se, right. but there's also the overarching thing if you uh, read some of the lore that actually, well, I'll get to that point next, but if you read into the lore and you know a lot of the old Dark Elf lore, like some names I use for Tayrathi's early creation, as far as a uh, specific mage, Drusilla, who interact with her, well, Drusilla was the name that Marathi used in the old world when she was seducing Tyrion. <laughs> so technically, Tyrathi's whole story is also being. Also, a great Smashing Pumpkins song. But continue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so essentially, if you read that little kernel, and it's like, if you miss it, it doesn't change anything for what people will see in my narrative. But if you catch that little kernel, and I'm kind of spoiling it for people now, and you know that history, then you know that ultimately Tyrathi's whole story is being controlled by Marathi. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I'm, even though I'm opposing Marathi, I'm not getting in the way of the overall lore, which I think is, is a good tenet. Whenever you're creating a custom character to lead your army, is 
be part of the of the world you're in, but don't actually be so far against it that it doesn't make sense. Like it would it wouldn't make sense if Tirathi ever gained more power than Marathi. It would make zero sense to me. So she'll always maybe be like a few steps behind at most. But well, and this lets her be pretty uh, awesome yeah. on the table, right? Like when you're you're yeah. not experiencing any like sort of disconnect between like Tayrathi going out and like kicking a bunch of like Stormcast ass because like yeah, she's powerful, but in in terms of the ambitions of the story, she's never going to usurp or, or overpower these these iconic characters that really drive Games Workshop's narrative. No, I mean, if you even look at the uh, recent uh, the Gotrek audio dramas, uh, Gotrek encounters Alarial, and Alarial manhandles him. <laughs> so, like, you know, this this amazing or worst slayer in the world, who you think can take on anything and has. Oh well, well, he's still up against a true god right now. So it's like, what, well, you know, and Marathi's not a true god, but you know, she's working towards it. So uh... <laughs> she's got, you know, she's she's an ind- strong independent mermaid. She's a uh, mer snake, uh... <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, to define your character's motives, define the goals, figure out how they can work within the army, and don't be afraid that, like, I, I call my army the Tayrathian cult, um, because they worship, like, that whole army, they worship Tayrathi more than they worship Kane and Marathi. It's kind of like a, yeah. you know, like, they, they don't talk about it, but they talk about it type thing. Like, you don't want to just overtly say, like, this is who we actually worship. Not that it's getting her any power, yeah, so it's, it's like motivation. Like we don't really talk about Kraith too much. <laughs> oh, I thought. Oh, I think is the best. No, 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 no. I, 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 uh, no, I just throw in shade, man. Um, I love it. Uh, the one, yeah. before we move too far past this point, um, this notion of like starting with like kind of a fun or a tongue-in-cheek narrative, I think that that's an understated good way to get into writing your own narrative. Is is uh having like a fun or a silly thing that you then expand upon. Paul, what do you got, man? So I was going to make the exact same point. If you look at some of the old miniatures that they have for Warhammer Fantasy, right? Like I have a Bretonian army, and I also have Robin Hood, Little John, and Friar Tuck. Now they didn't call them Robin Hood, Little John, and Friar Tuck, but you look at those miniatures, and that's exactly what they are, mm-hmm. right? And this is a time-honored Warhammer tradition to take the things that are fun and to put them in there, right? Mm-hmm. And Age of Sigmar disguises it a bit more than it did before. But some of them are direct pulls from all these different sources. Yeah. And so when you take, you know, Taylor Swift and say, but I'm going to make her into Warhammer, right? That's exactly how the game started. Yeah. They took this character and they're like, but how do I make a Warhammer, right? How do I make a metal, right? Yeah. Like, and that's what they did. So like, that's a classic way of doing it. No, just, the, it it's I, much fun. Well, this is, this is the... Uh a different version of filtering the artist, right? When I, mm-hmm. I say I, every story I've ever written has been me taking myself and like turning it or twisting it or in some way or not, or, or another, you can do that with characters, taking a character mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, in pop culture, um, you know, in the case of Taylor Swift or like uh, an existing art that you love. If you're obsessed mm-hmm. with cloud strife from final fantasy seven and like, you want to make <laughs> your gotrick cloud strife and like start yeah, like, yeah you know he's got the breaker axe instead of the buster sword like go like go whatever it takes to to get you like sort of on the miniature level thinking about that character and then from there you can you can play with the dials you can turn it up turn it down do stuff uh i i don't want to forget to mention that we've got sean here in in chat uh sean's or on on twitter uh his uh he plays on the australian oh, yeah. scene his 
his theme. Metal shredding. His, yeah. He's he's actually like he sculpted a guitar for his like his his uh gore track. Hat. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, he's he he's made this like this heavy metal like brutal legend like yeah, backstory um... for the orcs where they're just like he's trying to like essentially like get the metal <laughs> and like going just conquering across all the like mortal realms becoming more and more heavy metal. It's like the coolest story I've ever heard. I'm like yeah, yeah. like um... Yeah. I, 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 as I was, was saying earlier, it's like don't be afraid if 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 you don't want to if you don't have to have a narrative that even makes sense within the sense of the story. It's like make it your story. Yeah. Like um, I've seen a lot of themed armies before at tournaments, especially like I, I I'm seeing now. I would say in my experience, a lot um, people embracing the the lore of Age of Sigmar more. So this might have just been a thing in Warhammer Fantasy or just they coincidence but um i saw a lot of people making i don't want to say meme armies but like i did see like the rock concert sort of orc style army before mm -hmm. or taking just like um i would say like a, a core trope of an army and playing that up more just for aesthetic purposes yeah like um like the spirits of the forest sort of thing for a wood elf army where it become almost more ghosts and sprites than necessarily people wearing um lead, like like you, you, you get what i'm saying yeah no, or it's I'm like it can be a little more ephemeral and right. more just about a visual theme than um a clear concise story with characters like tayrathi well and one, one of the things i liked about okay. his his lore is that he made it very like poignant for the world like he's jump mm -hmm. like for why he's fighting in a different realm like he has to go get like the crown from here and like you know, he gets these, like, heartstrings from this creature to, like, power his guitar. Like, just these really cool, like, reasons. He needs, like, he needs yeah. the guitar pick from the Tree of Life from Gairan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and just, like, these really awesome, like, super metal. <laughs> like, it's awesome, man. No, Sean, man, you're, yeah. he's a Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I, I loved it. Um, So, yeah, but back to I, you, Chuck. I'd say, uh, back to, I guess, like, the tenets of what it is to, to create a character and focus everything around it one like uh with daughter's cane there's a bunch of different well they're not a bunch but there is different here so you got a hag queen you got a slaughter queen you have the uh, blood rack medusa then you have the cauldron versions i've created versions for every single one of those like i said as well as the uh the one i took the holy havoc where she's on the big base but that way no matter what list i take however i want to play it whether i want to play kraith or the few times where i have played hagnar or calibron or drachikaneth i have Tirathi there in some fashion because I have her in every version possible and I still keep making more and more versions. It's not going to stop. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, like I, I do have the latest one here, which is just a cauldron. It's just it's hard to see. Yeah, yeah you know that, yeah. that that looks bad. I'm not going to do it. I like when you said you didn't spend five hundred dollars on a conversion. But this you is the three twenty five hundred dollars and conversions on a single character. <laughs> like how oh, many of that? Yeah, I mean this. Do you have? One, I think two, you're winning three, the conversion four. fight. I, I have six. I have six versions and a seventh one in the works. Of course you do. Um, you like your Tayrathi conversions are like me and Arachnorax. That's yeah. true. I just collect, I collect Tayrathis. Um, but uh, then to tie off of like, but like you also have to know whenever you're creating a character for your army if that's going to be your core focus, because um, it's going to branch from there. Is this an army like for me, Daughters of Cain? I'm playing them forever. They have grabbed me, and I've I've grabbed back on, and I'm just like this wave is never stopping. Cause like you said, even right now I'm painting Slanesh, 
and Daughter's Cane. I'm gonna paint Lumineth and Daughter's Cane. And eventually I'm just gonna paint Daughter's Cane because I've <laughs> Oh no. Mic down. Um Did did we lose Chuck? I think we might have lost Chuck. Oh no. A great oh. face though. Oh, oh no. I'm back. No, he's right. back. Just... He's back. Yay. What's the last thing you heard? Um, <laughs> that you're uh, not going to uh, stop. Lumineth, you're going to come yeah, back. Yeah, Lumineth. Yeah, uh, yeah, no matter what, Daughters of Cain is a constant down this, and like other armies coming in and out. So what I've started doing is, if you look at the, uh, my Aiden uh, uh, Atipkin, I have Kashani, who's based upon Kasha, because I'll just keep the Pop Queen thing going. Um, it's the Kashani Enclave, and it's... But it's it's tied to my Tirathi army because she had a shard of Cain that that Tirathi was after. My Slanesh is based upon Hakati the Perverse, which is Katy Perry. Uh, once again, heavy Cain influence because I have so many bits, so I just inject it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I have Miley Cypress, which I I need to work on that name, but I like the pun for my uh, Sylvaneth, which I need to convert at some point. But you know, Lumineth will have one too. It's just, <laughs> but it all ties back to this central. Like the tree trunk, which is my Terathian cult, they'll all connect to it because I'm only going to dabble with those armies for fun here and there. Yeah, but a I'm couple always like, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm always going to play Dodge Cane. So, go on. I would say so. Yeah, you have to decide. Like, is this like an army that's like I'm just going to play it for a little bit and move on, or is this the army that like I really like this army? I'm going to keep going with it, and then you know how far to take your character, how how far to push it. Do you make six conversions of it? Do you want to have her in every single game? Do you want to never shut up about it and and trick your friends to do an episode with people about narrative events just so you can talk, talk about Tyrathi some more? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's why I made you I, go last. Uh, yeah. you. <laughs> I, I I would say like the thing I took away from Chuck and was like, well, what if I I I would like to have the ability to have like that? So the character like that elf guy, the Night Scar. He'll be one model. Like I, I might have a few iterations only to paint it better and execute the idea more. But then I want to be able to have that model count as like say could be a mage in Cities of Sigmar, could be something in Lumineth, could I be see. something in like a third army. Mm. But then the ability to like for a pickup game, I'm taking something to the club for for Tuesday nights or something like that. And then I want to be able to say, you know what, I want to play with Prince Nightscar tonight. And like when I'm building the army and I'm thinking about it, I get to take that character and he gets to play in the army. And so I, I, I always have, um, inst uh, I guess, because Chuck's approach is to have a different version of that model for any iteration it could be. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, I want that one model. That, and this is, that this model. is, this is the, that yeah. one. Right. That's, that's interesting. But, I have a and little if you bit... do multiple, oh, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, I I say, a... If you do have a <laughs> finish, if, if, if you do decide to do like what I do and have multiple iterations, every Tayrathi conversion i had uses the same exact canary head so i mm -hmm. have a consistency across all of them mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if the picture's up about with the tayrathi i've got portrait. the full i've got the full uh the family up here that the three that's guys. that's most that's most of them <laughs> but anyway sorry <laughs> no what i was going to say is I, i've actually had like a different situation from the both of you uh so what started for me is like i i have this rolling joke that i've done for every army i've ever built is there's always at least, like, one sculpt. Usually it's, like, one per box. Sometimes it's one per, like, several boxes. But I'll just be putting something together. Because I love building more than I like painting. You know, like, I, I'm just very much a builder where I'm tinkering, getting the head just right. I'll, you know, I'll put an ungord down and, have, and like, and then grab my, like, gorgon and set it next to it because I want him exactly pointing the sword up at, you know, where its face is and things like that where I'm really, I get tinkery with it. Um, 
And I was building one of my, my Osir Bone Reapers out of the first, uh, actually out of the Feast of Bones there. And I, like, I decided to, like, have him dragging the sword behind him. And this is where X is gonna give it to you was born. And, uh... <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, yeah, X is going to give it to you. And so, like, I base it off of a wrapper. Uh, so this is this one. And uh, what I've actually done then is I've built X in every kit that I have for the army now. And so X is, like, I've got him as the uh, the Mortec guard. I've also now got him as a Kavalos. Uh, so his Kavalos nice. pose is still the same sort of, like, sword kind of coming behind. And he's kind of, like, looming a little bit forward because he's naturally going to give it to you. Uh, we don't know what it is or when it will where, or when the unspecified it will be given to you uh we have our top scientists working on it but but <laughs> it is certain um and then this is actually gonna 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 all culminate when i i put together my my actual like liege cavalos and i'm gonna be sure to like pose him up and so i've got this progression of him through like foot troop to cavalry to hero uh that i've got him going through the army now and well, the question is, will he eventually rise to power and be well, on Katakuros' base? When we... Ooh. I mean, maybe he is... As, 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 as twist, one of those... He is disapproving Samurai Man. Ew. There you That's, go. Whoa. Plot twist. Um, <laughs> mind... My own mind blown. Yeah, like, he eventually becomes the liege. Because that's where, uh, that's where uh, uh, Katakuros gets the liege uh, keyword from, is having that samurai on his base. That's where the mm. leash uh, keyword comes that gives him rules in the game. Sorry, we got okay. real rules nerdy here. Um, but no, the, as I was building this this single character, though, I began building the narrative in my head around this, this character, this model in my army. Because I'd already talked to Chuck about sort of hinging the plot to one character and putting to bed some of my worries about my story being too grandiose for Age of Sigmar, or, like, not worthy enough when we have characters like Catacross. I'm like, Catacross is the Catacross. I mean, look at that sculpt. Look at how awesome he is. Like, Nagash made him a body himself. I'm like, how do I put characters in my army to tell my story when I've got the Catacross sitting right next to all of it, right? Well, hinge it to the one character, you know? Catacross is just in and out of that army every now and then, because he needs that unit for whatever purposes and this helped me with my hobby i'm going to be painting catacros he's going to be the the white character it's going to his his color scheme is going to be his own because he's not part of my army he's just inter intervening in what my army is already doing the uh what are they called the nether uh it's the netherborn is what they're called so uh, uh paul what do you got man so you said that i've got this character and i built him for, you know, the, the Leech Cavalos, and I built them for all these different, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't you delve deeper into that background and have the character be the person, the mortal person, and his soul is broken into well, all these on. different characters? Hang on. No, no, no. It's, it's the inverse, actually. So what it is is, like, when, um, like, the, the, the uh, I don't want to dive into my personal lore. I want to make it more about you guys, but while we're here... Um, the, the lore of the, the character X, and the reason he's known as X is because his, his name is in an ancient tongue that's too difficult for you to pronounce, and so you just take the first character that looks kind of like an X, and so he's called X by all the mortals and all the man things and all that stuff. Um, he's, uh, his whole thing is that, like, every, like, bone reaper is essentially, like, several souls blended together. You might have a dozen, or, you know, you might have half a dozen or a dozen souls blended together. 
X is the one who got dislodged in the Necroquake. So, like, he's got the other, like, 11 souls rattling around in his, like, little soul jar body. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's constantly proven himself on the battlefield and stuff like that. And he's worked his way up, getting sort of rebuilt and reforged with, like, sweeter armor and cooler stuff. And incorporating more souls into his container with, like, the soul masons and stuff. They're actually, like, infusing him with more souls. But, like, this one dominant personality has remained, like, intact. And he doesn't quite know why. And he's trying to keep it secret, then, from the villain within his own army. Um, unintentionally, I don't think I, I tried to do that on purpose. But I thought it made a little bit more sense. The threat externally isn't as good as the threat internally for this character. Um, because he already has a natural, like, internal threat. He's got these other, like, 12 souls that are constantly vying to take control of his body, right? Um, and then, like, you just take that and you bracket that same internal struggle with a literal struggle on the outside. So you, the sort of primary lead bone shaper within the army, uh, whose name is unspecified yet, I think I'm calling him V for now, um, he's uh, the main villain. Is So you've got X and V are, like, the main sort of two characters in my Osir Bone Reapers armies, and they're, like, both necessary to extract Nagash's will to, to get the tithe, but secretly, like, X is just like, oh, shit, I remember my family and stuff, and, like, not super cool with all the wanton murder, but, like, if I don't do it, everyone's gonna find out, and, like, that's, like, not good, and he's just trying to figure out, like, because he's completely dislodged from time, he has no, no concept of, like, does his family even currently exist? Was that a thousand years ago? And he's just trying to piece the puzzles together... Put the puzzle together as he decides, sort of as he's taking these problems that come at him. So that's Actually, my that's uh, that's that, that's a that's a really kind of good point um, that I've been playing with a little bit as my tale of Tirathi has expanded over the past year. So a little bit of a something for you to look forward to, and uh, also a, a little bit of a cautionary like suggestion. Um, so the something to look forward to is if you really focus on one character, like like I, I focus on Tirathi, keep expanding her, keep growing her story. There are times where I'm just like, well, I don't have to use Terathi because, like, within the lore of her own army, she's the top. She is the best. She's the most powerful thing there is. You know, obviously, if I put her next to anything else, like Marathi, she's below that. But within the army, she's not going to do everything. So I have developed sub-characters. Like, I, I have a, a, an extra canary I had that shredded the wings, and she's on foot, and she's a slaughter queen. She's called the wingless one. Um... I have the actually I, I created it for Martin's uh, lore master event that he had a little invite at, at Nova. Uh, Carl LeBron, the first male slaughter queen in the Daughters of Cain army, because I was just like, let's just go super crazy with it. So, like I've created sub characters for those times where, okay, I don't want to bring Tirathi, but I want like someone who's representing her in in a unique way. So over time as you develop you will start creating that like like v like you know, v is a, a antagonist but eventually you'll have they'll have their own lackey like mm -hmm. you know like who's x's lieutenant who's v's lieutenant that's going to be like within the ranks trying to figure this well, stuff out and i love like, a it, it, brutal com brutal comedy if that makes sense like where it's just like it's kind of so the main like sort of support character for x is going to be this like uh like ruthless wrote like seven of nine except murderous type character where like doesn't quite understand you like is kind of a good like by many constraints is actually sort of like a good guy they're just like horribly brutal and like don't like, quite like get it you know like don't quite uh, they're not operating on the like, same level as 
like, like IG88, like, I'm a robot, this is just what I'm programmed <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah. It's like, but like, you're brutally eviscerating people. Yeah, 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 and it's gonna be this, uh, it's gonna be the, the, the stalker that I, I started to put together just for funsies, and, I, like, I kind of like the face, and I, like, had the, the face, like, half tilted, and, like, I had this idea, uh, I have this separate, completely separate theory from a lot, of, from Age of Sigmar, which is the best stories are about sad robots. Not necessarily literally, but, like, figuratively Molly. sad robots are some of the best stories. And, uh, so, like, uh, Blade Runner. It's about a sad robot. Like, uh, uh, but, yeah. 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 Like, um, it's it just, like, sad robots. Uh, uh, so, like, he's gonna be, like, the sad robot, except he, like, murders and stuff. Or, like, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy. Like, a lot, a, lot of Game of, a lot of Game of Thrones is about that, too. A lot of smart, sad, just sad grouchy robots. old people. <laughs> just sad robots. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so so the Stalker's gonna be, like, the, the sort of, like, black comedy sad robot, character, like, archetype as, like, you know, because, like, and, like, in a, on, like, a weird sort of, like, primal level, like, he, like X just gets him, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> So I've already started to develop him as a secondary character as the sad robot like sidekick. Nice. I like Except it. he's I add, hyper murderous. If I, <laughs> like... if I may add, um, no opportunity is too small for you to model stuff like that. Okay. Like, that's why I say it's like unit champions are a modeling opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of the heck, it, like uh, I I, ha- I have a hard time at least from my perspective because I like the Bone Reapers lore. It's like I I don't see a lot of modeling opportunities there to make them unique because but, they're automated. Uh, they're they right yeah. But for daughters of Cain, like individual witch elf, uh, you know, what are you the champions called, Chuck? Um, I get an extra plus one to hit. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. Well, wow. You champions you like, have a name. You they do. Like, I, I honestly, I top of my head, it's I'm drawing a blank on it. Wow. It's, it's light, it's light, and like day was it's, arduous. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's. Well, no. And anyway, anyway. Yeah. So so like um a swordmaster of Hoeth unit champion was named a blade lord, um, for for example, and it's like well, what what is it what does that mean? Explore that idea, or just make a character just like out of that, and then they um it's cool that they have stories, and sometimes they can have stories, but they don't always need them. It's it's um, to get back to sort of like the the, the what a workshop mentality where it's like we're playing in a setting where the industrial revolution doesn't necessarily have to have what the leader's called a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. All right. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so it's 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 just as easy to make equipment. To, for two people as different as it is to make equipment for two people the same. So you shouldn't be afraid to just add small details here and there just to, to make them look like their own person. It's cool if they have a, a, a story that fits into your your sort of like little ecosystem of your little society that you have there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can just be like, I want to express an idea just to make this this one person in the unit feel unique you can bring in krell and convert them in a way just to make them look like the unit champion for the grave guard you can um martin uh, yeah you've inspired me to do this because uh spoiler alert i'm still doing witch elves i'm actually gonna do 90 plastic witch elves this year to bring me to 300 total there you go um and one's gonna be armored based upon the 210 alex gonzalez Mm-hmm. Yeah, number two. But yeah, I'm gonna do like a unit of armored witch elves based upon the concept of Alex Gonzalez, Warhammer hero, and great guy, um, put out there. 
uh, and the leader for that, I grabbed the um, it's a forty k model. It's the uh, Magos from the uh, Gene Sealer cult, the female Magos. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to be converted as the hag for that unit. I have the old Dark Elf Sorceress to be the hag of another unit, so adding like 30, 15 to $30 per unit to make really custom leaders. So it is a really cool idea, and like, I'm going to try it out, because like, yeah, Martin really inspired me to do that. Yeah, um, I, I don't have a lot of examples of it, like, at least in my current armies, because I've only ever worked on, at least while I've been on social media, Stormcast and Legions of Nagash. Like, I have the Cities of Sigma army from, like, 2017, like, before I really, like, got into talking about my hobby in social media. Mm-hmm. But for, for, for Lumineth, it's definitely going to be a thing where I take that unit champion and I basically turn it into a character in its own right and use that to try and express stuff for the um, banners or another good way of just bringing things in. You can bring in, um, for, especially for painters, the freehand opportunity for, like, banner bearers or... or or musicians is just what i love about this is you have um very like narrative character focus and very visual focused and trying to like incorporate these two and sort of sort of benefit each other um i really like that um i've actually just talking to y'all now i'm like you know what i need to do for like my hecatos and stuff is like they actually do get to be distinct a little bit in the lore and i'm like so like that's where i'm going to put a lot of the flavor of the unit is on that hecatos the the rest must might be automata like might be automata but like the hecatos can be the personality of that unit right and so like maybe they take like little trophies like this particular hecatos Mm -hmm. got blended with just 20 serial killers and so he just takes all (laughs) of the you know just takes all of the trophies and stuff like that so you can you can also do war paint like on their on their bone and faces and stuff like woad and and like don't be like i know uh, some people are like i can't paint for shit just paint little streaks mm-hmm. like to to show it like like load or war paint mm-hmm. yeah cool Braveheart, yeah, those skeletons uh, <laughs> paul what's up <laughs> i think there is uh one thing that we all missed that i think all three of us have done yeah um and obviously i imagine you have done as well uh and that is writing your own Stories writing their own. Actually, that's that was right. That was just what I was just about to actually get to. Is the cautionary part? Um, If you the timeline you had earlier is literally all the events I've been to. I have lore written for the majority of those events, or lists and art and and all that. And you look at that timeline, you're like, oh, it's just this is easy. Chuck probably just threw this together. That took me three and a half weeks i think of gathering up everything that i put together and put out my blog just assuming oh it's out there it's easy to get and uh i've i i collated it all it's right now it's on a google drive i'm trying to figure out the best way to share it so people can just take the pieces they want to look at and read but create the timeline write down organize put it in a central location of the narrative that you do just so you can keep that consistent uh story flowing and it doesn't have to be like you know right one thing right after the other like there's time jumps in in my story because there's plenty of time in in the in the uh in the mortal realms um actually i i'm gonna wait to put out like the complete thing after uh doug from two up tough um also warhammer hero um does his lore competitions because i entered it as well and i have a pretty nice uh new narrative arc for tirathi going on that i don't want to spoil until he's done with his competition whether win or lose um 
I'll put it out after the if, fact. If if but, yeah. if if we if everyone here loses, we're gonna do Rantcast does two plus stuff, and we're just gonna read our <laughs> stories. We're we'll make yeah. our own lore competition I'm all for it. with yep, blackjack and hookers. All right. Well, yeah, forget the hookers <laughs> um, <laughs> and the blackjack, like, just stories. But that definitely, like, organize yourself. Even if you think it might just be like a character for a few, you know, like a few events for you, just put it all in one location. Just keep it together. Um, other fun things you can do, like I held this up earlier, like that's Tayrathi's custom rune. I put that on my army. I love that it's a visual um, play on the on the Calibron rune too, by the way. Crate. Uh, it's actually. Kraith. I'm sorry. Kraith. I meant. I meant. Kraith. I, I, I figured. I figured. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm just having like, flashbacks like, to like Calibron beating me last weekend. <laughs> I'm just like no. Well, I'll we'll do a pickup game at uh, Adepticon. I'll beat you of crates so you can just fly. There we go. Yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> um, but like, I, I... get in line. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'll be, I'll go be to a Depticon. Like... Don't even play championships. Just like the like ass kicking line of <laughs> yeah. content creators. Oh man. But uh, but like like I you know I've I've done journal like a journal for her for like some events and I just add more to it as the story goes on. Just you know you can do these little things to keep keep track of where things are at and and it's like just but definitely organize now like for yourself uh with with x organize them like even if you write the simplest thing if it's a paragraph just organize it put it in place put a google drive folder that just says x this is what he's giving to you or, or whatever yeah, you like and, no i love it i love the x and what is he giving to you it's an unspecified yeah, we, we're not certain yet we have quantum like, physicists uh, on it right now we don't know what it is they're trying to solve for it but <laughs> Exactly, and the uh, <laughs> arcane mages are trying to scry yeah. what it is. Yeah, right. um, But like, even to the point where, if you look at uh, my my Tarathi's timeline, the very first thing, like, I didn't realize the first Adepticon, the first place I took the Daughters of Cain when they just came out, I named the army the Talothian Cult. And for some reason, between then and Ra, I changed. It was Tarathi, not Talothi, probably because Tarathi sounds cooler. So she. I wrote into the lore she changed the name but i forgot that so that was kind of like a, a retcon type thing <laughs> like when i'm doing or this you progress so, like, like historians you got you... it wrong right like historians got it wrong and it was a translation it could be. error unreliable could narrator be. there you oh, go his hey. favorite thing <laughs> but like it's easy to forget what you've done even a few years ago so that's why i just suggest organizing because it, it'll make your narrative so much better because i'll i'll open that folder just to get ideas for what i want to do going forward uh, Dracon, yeah. real quick, um, don't, like, lost your creativity and you themed your D.O.K. Medusa Temple Nest army off of as, as Shara of World of Warcraft. Um, real, mm. one of the first things we said at the beginning of, of the show was to, uh, uh, was to, like, not be afraid to steal like an artist. Uh, great, uh, you know, good, good artists borrow, great artists steal. So don't, don't be afraid to base your lore on something. And then from there, just play with the dials. Till you make it your Chuck, till Chuck you make it turned yours. a meme into an institution. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, to, to the point with with Ajara, I never really cared for the character in World of Warcraft. And then when the uh, her little part of the expansion came out, we watched the trailer, and my wife, my wife and I watched it because we played WoW on and off. We don't play as much anymore. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I really like her now. And she's like, You never liked her, but now I really like her. And, and she looks at me, she's like, It's just Marathi. I'm like, I don't. Shut up! <laughs> You're right. I really like her now. Um, I mean, don't be afraid. That's a, that's a really cool concept, and uh, I'm sure you can get some fantastic paint schemes off of Naga from World of Warcraft to put onto your your, yeah. your units. Like yeah, I say, go for it. That sounds there. awesome. Yeah, the the visual inspiration is there. 
Um, just and, and this is something, um, I don't know if we, we highlighted it, but, but Chuck, you're really a champion of throwing yourself into it. Like, you're just throwing yourself into the thing. And that, that's where that part, particular advice might come in handy. Is just, just throw yourself into that concept, if that's what your thing is, and, mm-hmm. and just see where it takes you. Because, I mean, especially you're just in the, in the note-taking phase. If you look at, I was joking earlier that if you look at my notebooks, uh, for whether it's my uh, Warhammer notes or, 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 or my, my actual stories that I write, um, try to get published here when I'm, uh, yeah, when I'm struggling with that, like, it, they look like Da Vincian journals. It's just, even this is, like, a mess right now with squiggles and shit. But throw yourself into it. Take notes and, and see where they, where they where they take you. You might go back and you see a little doodle you wrote besides one note, and then that just clicks for some inspiration later. Um, I think that ties into exactly what you were saying just now, is, is um, you know, you're filling out your timeline. Give yourself little blurbs. Um, a single Narrative sentence. without fear. Yeah, a, a, narrative without there, fear. There you go. Narrative at all costs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to just... A lot of my like notes from like even my huge projects, if you look on my wall right here, I've got about 20 or 30 note cards here that this is a story right here. This is, this is the outline. It's a single sentence or a couple words on each. And I can look at that and go, uh, okay, Alex fights Dio, fights Anna. I know exactly what that chapter is for me. Because I know those three characters, and I know my plot outline and what's about to happen with them. So even just like, or like sad robot, like meets little girl, and so like I know that then my side character, the sad robot, has to meet a little girl, and then like I already kind of know that it's just going to be this like weird kind of funny scene where like you know she tries to hand him a flower and he just like accidentally murders the flower because it's all he's like programmed to do but then orcs show up and he just murders all the orcs and then like pats the little girl on the head and doesn't murder her so we have character growth character growth (laughs) (laughs) well it's the the interesting thing too that uh i I was learning as i was collating everything um and and then started writing more and martin helped me with uh, some of my writing for my recent submission to two up tufts competition but the one thing that's an easy trap to fall into with a, a with this sort of stuff is it can be all in your head and if you like it on your head that's great just if that's where you're happy with it living let it live there i had this huge thing in my head and i just realized like i didn't really actually put this out other than through random tweets and and lore that's all over the place so like that's kind of like my goal this year is to put it forward so people know like i want i want to walk up to a table with a game with somebody who's you know maybe on twitter and can go point and be like, oh, that's Tayrathi. I'm gonna kill her." <laughs> I'll be like, "You can try." <laughs> so like, yeah. So like, um, yeah. I, I was about to say to add to that, like, I'm on kind of like the opposite end, where it's like I'm I'm used to having people to play with who are my friends who are not the typical audience for the type of content that I want to make in terms of that story. And um, I don't know about the other people here, other than Mr. Meth, but I'm definitely an aspiring novelist. And I try not to write too much Warhammer stuff. Unfortunately, I've done nothing but do that because I've been <laughs> trying to get back to my original fiction. And my original fiction is very much not inspired by Warhammer. It's like a little more historical fiction with a touch of like horror. And it's it's like thinking about just like a matter of like just time. Like I want to be able to have my vision of what I have for my narrative easy to recognize but if no one 
has any other like outside knowledge they're satisfied or like i'm satisfied with like being able to tell the story with just what's in front of me like i have these cool elves that people haven't really seen elsewhere and then the characters look sufficiently unique that people are going to be like there's there's an elf with uh the night sky coming out of half of his face oh, yeah. um and then there's like i don't i don't know what the other characters are going to be yet for for like the elf army like the wider sort of society i'm going to make yet but they're going to be sufficiently unique mm-hmm. and like the the idea is just for it to end there mm-hmm. um like which creates that sort of cultural inheritance and art history like um in lord of the rings uh we can tell what a dwarf thing is immediately and we can like understand like what their weapons are like and what like we don't really see that many dwarves in the original lord of the rings films but they created enough context in the architecture and like the costumes of the handful this of characters is, th- th- you can actually like uh by having like points of visual uh consistency you don't yeah. one of the worst things you could do is actually describe the backstory of something mm-hmm. in terms of pure writing technique by the way right uh, you're not supposed to tell people the backstory you're just supposed to assume it um you're just supposed to assume it and just like pick up where the story's supposed to pick up show uh, don't tell exactly show don't tell um i mean when you're dealing with minis you're just like in the realm of show all the time aren't you right and i have to try and make that as effective as possible in the brief time period i have to show my miniatures to somebody preferably when i'm kicking their butt right right <laughs> right well i just assume that people are going to see x and his like pose that i've i've meticulously sculpted and understand that an undisclosed time and place they will receive it. It's, <laughs> it is coming. <laughs> right. Um, we need to do a trailer for it. It I, is coming. Adepticon twenty twenty. I gotta I gotta do a like a, a, a legally distinct remix of the uh, like X gonna give it to you, like a sample, I suppose, of the beat so that like I can I can draw that in and just like slow it down or something. I'll do, I'll get Haywo to mix it. He is uh he's his uh his soundbite is like one of the greatest. Yes, it's very distinctive. Uh, don't forget costume. Yeah, so like uh, costuming is another. Oh yeah. <laughs> Chuck um, knows all about that. Yeah. Well, man, I, I we're gonna I have, have a costume. Off. I have the pedigree. Maybe for not that. this Nova. I won't be making this Nova, but hopefully next Nova, or the Nova following that, I'll, I'll have a, uh, I'll have my X cosplay. I think. That's great. That's great. I'll, I'll eventually build a costume for something that isn't Dragon Age. There you go. <laughs> Man, well, we just like we found a way to get nerdier than talking Age of Sigmar <laughs> and Doctor Who. I'm just, I'm it's like, we well did done, it. everybody. Well it's, done. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Um, um, so uh, one of the things yeah. we haven't talked about is how to play a narrative on the tabletop, right? Like how to develop these characters in our games. We okay. Talk about the results of it, right? Um, but I think one of the things that chuck does really well is he tells you right like and martin you, you do it as well it's like your miniatures show you the story chuck you tell the story and i think that's something that i always do when i play games especially in a tournament setting is that i go through and i'm like this is my army and then i explain it and it takes like five minutes but it it, it tells some of the player about the kind of game that i want to play not that i don't want to play competitively mm-hmm. but just like look this is what i'm going to try and get out of it right and motivation for your character and you're like this is what's actually going on right so my grop egg scuttlers are carried on awards but they're ready to be goblins 
So mm-hmm. they have one character who uh, rules-wise counts as a Lord Ordinator, but is actually um, the Grot Mushroom Shaman. Mm-hmm. And he's just like quite psychotic. He likes whole areas of Grots uh, because he wants them to go fly these airships that nobody really knows why, but he convinces them it's the best idea ever. And then they go and they get murdered, and then he goes and gets another tribe. Right? <laughs> if, you explain, if you explain that background to your opponent when you start playing the game, yeah, a lot of them in with you, right? And like, so at Adepticon two years ago, I was playing this army and not doing great, of course, because I don't play enough games to be good at it. And you can set your own narrative goals of like, all right, I've lost, right? You, we all get to that point where like you're playing a game and you're like, okay, I've lost. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take down that ironclad because I want my army to have an ironclad and I can't add one until I've beaten one in combat, right? Oh, or I see. something. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. To the game after the point where the game is already decided, and that's something that I really enjoy about playing narratively. I've seen I've seen people do this to lesser extents where they're like, I'm going to kill your general with this character, right? I mean, that's what you're doing. Is like maybe you don't have flashy names and 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 visually stunning models. But you're creating these little mini stories in the moment that help engage you in the game. And that's really, I think, what, what a lot of this is about, is is helping you increase your enjoyment of the game by embracing this other sphere, this, this, this narrative. And you don't need to be a master-level hobby hero, uh, painter, or, or narrative, uh, you know, uh, to get these little, uh, these little, like, lore wins at the table. Um, and I think that's that's something that's just going to help you, uh, especially like okay, yeah, you're losing the game, but now you're going to kill an ironclad. Uh, you know, I always joke with my opponents when I bring in when I'm bringing a gosh to the table. I'm like, I'll walk up to them like, uh, uh, no reason, but uh, who's your favorite model? Uh, and you can lie to me, <laughs> and I'll just like say that to them, and then you know, like, and then they're just like, uh, and it's 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 astonishing how how deep they get into telling me about their favorite model before they realize I'm going to ha- try to hand a dust it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's gone. And then like, and then yeah. like, and then like, so then, then I get into my like WWE heel persona, you know, at the table and like, they already get that. Like I'm, I'm essentially role-playing when I'm at the table. I can't turn off the, my brain in that respect. Like I have to get into my persona, be the bad guy to try to beat you. And that little joke at the beginning of the game, they realize like they're on board with the joke then with my little mini mini personal story arc that I'm gonna try to be a villain. I was playing uh, Dave uh, from Garage Hammer uh, at Paca, and like he was like, "Oh man, awesome charger!" I'm like, "Don't cheer me! I'm the bad guy!" Like stuff like that. <laughs> <where> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, quit applauding, and he's like, "Man, that really gets to you, doesn't it?" And like you know, and then he's so. Then, <laughs> So then he got even more into the the like clapping and applauding like things that I would Cheering do that were well. bad for bad for him and and you know and we had a, this this great game because we we had created this this personal narrative between each other in that moment and I think that those are little things you can be mindful of at your at your table mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a tournament or LGS or with your friends is just is just dialing up some of those little stories I mean that's that's what a narrative is it's it's a story and well, that, it doesn't mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead. I was say that that's that's the interesting thing. Like whenever uh, if you look at the notes, because uh, I I keep I, I do the little battle journal for for all my games of Age of Sigmar, and I have like you know most of them are competitive games. It's like you know turn one this happened, turn two this happened, so on and so forth. But there's also a section like like I mean I track my Kraith rolls. Sure, that's fun, but I'll like, you know 
if 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 someone takes out something amazing, like if Tarathi kills Keeper of Secrets, I'm gonna write that down because that's going in my story somewhere. Like those little things that just happen there, like oh that was really cool and like it's it's fun, or or even like an interaction like you had. Those Night Haunt had a dead cheerleader that was cheering you on and it was making you mad. Like you can yeah. incorporate that. You can imagine Nagash just forward. like deadpan, just scowling at these upstart <laughs> Night Haunt. And like, and and he understands arrogance and like being snide, and so he's just like, are they sarcastically mocking me, or are they cheering me because I'm the Lord of Death? Like he's just, you could just, you can imagine it. I mean, it's it's it like I I it was a yeah, it was great. It was it, like like oh yeah, we don't want to rebel against you like Nagash sama, but like Raikener's making us do it. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> um yeah, it was yeah. I, I I think there's little things like that. Again, narrative is just about ass story you know and and go ahead paul uh so and here's the thing right like a lot of the games that we play are at tournaments right because that's where you get the most hobbyists together at the end of the day on or something right there's 220 players there's one winner right you know you get top five or something like that but for everything else right there's game than trying to win mm-hmm. there's more to play game than just having the best list and if you have something else that motivates your game other than winning not only will you be a better player for that social contract but you're playing this game to have fun i hope right because that's the point of playing a game if you don't want to have fun i'm probably gonna have a hard time playing against you because i don't want to sit across the table from somebody whose only objective is to win and if they fail at winning, their day is ruined, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's a lot of pressure on you. Scenario. That's that's a it lot is. of pressure on you. It's, like, it's a lot of pressure you, on you because you you if I mean me as the the opponent now, if I beat you, I have ruined your day. And some people get a type of pleasure oh, out definitely. of that, but I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> I pretend to be yeah. on the internet, but but I don't. I want mm-hmm. you to have a great game. That's my first. that's my first priority when I walk up to the table personally is I want you to have a good game. I want you to have a good experience uh, because then you're going to go like, and subscribe on, 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 on Twitch or YouTube. Right. (laughs) Uh, No, it's, it's like, I want you to have a good game. Um, And the win only mentality, um, it can, it can cramp my style too, man. (laughs) Thing is right. I mean, I will kill your favorite model, but I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but exactly that's the fun, right? The fun is what happens that doesn't make sense, what happens that is not statistically accurate, right? Mm-hmm. It is the quirks of playing a dice-based game against a, an opponent. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes stuff just goes crazy, right? Like crazy yeah. rolls are a great example of like mm-hmm. I know statistically how these rolls are supposed to happen, but when they you know happen, what? it just doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> when they happen, it's great, right? Yeah, but like. Part of the story and the game is a social contract right you walk up to the table you expect the player that you're playing against to want to play the game right number one number two have some understanding of his army right and hopefully more than just i've read the rules on an app and had somebody else paint the army and show up not that there's anything wrong with that Shots but fired. when you're going to a tournament <laughs> right it's a, a different hobby for everyone. People yeah. are allowed to well, love the game, and that's hobby. it. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And I can play great games against those people as well. 
but I, I would like to be able to engage with you with the lore that is included with the army that you bought, right? There's more than just the rules there. And the narrative allows you to engage the other player where they're on at that, on that level. instead of just playing the rules. Right. Well, like, the, the Slaves to Darkness tome has one of the greatest intro sentences in the, the... I mean, this is the man in black flood across the desert and the gunslinger followed moment for, for Games mm -hmm. Workshop. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's... Sigmar is a false god. Like, boom. Both the first sentence. You know, you know what you're getting from the rest and of that book. And it's just like, the rest <laughs> of that book, you've got it. But then, when the player walks up to the table, having read that, and they play against your city's army, they're just like, oh shit. Like, you know, like, that becomes another layer of enjoyment and again I, I i will never harsh on how how people play the game to enjoy the game within the confines of the rules and and you know all that stuff like i really if you only do enjoy the game from like winning and stuff like that cool and i hope you find other people uh that can engage you on that level and i actually have the ability to shift gears i've talked about this before is like um i have this moment where like i'm walking up to the table and i'm trying to figure out what type of game you have but if you walk up to the table and cosplay I know what type of game to expect. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if you walk up to the table and you start telling me the story about your, like, your specific Maw Crusher and, like, why it's a wacky color, I know what type of game to expect. Like, that's why I'm, t I'm when I'm walking up to the table with you, I'm saying, what's your favorite model? And I have this, like, smirk on my face. Like, I'm telling you about what type of game we're about to have, too. And, and it's really, again, the narrative side of it embracing that it's just adding an enhancer to to all of that stuff you already enjoy about the game mm -hmm. yeah I, I think narrative doesn't get in the way of anything it only yeah. enhances whatever you do yes yep. yeah that'd be a great way of putting it um man um i think that's any any anyone got any lingering uh bits they want to they want to hammer home but because that's a pretty good point to end the end the night on Nagash is the false god. Oh, man. We're going to have words <laughs> I mean, later, man. I legitimately do want a conversation about you. Yeah, this is I, a I super do. Super interesting narrative hook. Let me yeah. look at my thing one more time. Look at your notes, Chuck. Yeah. Chuck, I'll bring you on uh, one more time to talk more to your athy, but, but I feel like you you had such a pile of notes and we only we only cut the we only touched the surface of them. I think it was all kind of covered between all of us, just touching and hitting the points. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. Uh, uh, I would say even because even though we paint toy soldiers, um, I think at its core it should have a certain realism, like how the figures look. Mm. And I, I think I've succeeded as in in my hobby by um, making people like basically tricking people into believing what I've painted is like historical or real rather than these pure fantasy pieces. And that's what my visual storytelling is all about. So I, I have one sort of final, final question, uh, that I think we all answer it and we can't kind of go out on this one. So, so what if, you know, a lot, uh, you know, I've got a lot of people who follow and they tend to just, you know, they, they, they do a lot more painting, a lot more, uh, reading about their things, a lot more building their lists and actually going out into the world and taking their lists out and doing stuff like that, right? Um, usually, you know, I, I, I have some a set of advice for, you know, trying to get your reps in and your games in if, if that's what you're, you're trying to focus on and trying to get your, your hobby. I think the hobby is pretty self-sufficient trying to get your paint reps in. How do you get your narrative reps in with the community? If you want to 
take your stories out. If you want to, you know, flex your narrative muscles. Like, one, obviously, uh, go try to beat me at Doug's uh, lore competition. But beyond that, uh, this, this, this <laughs> once in a lifetime, how do you, I guess, I'll just, just kind of start in the top left. Chuck, how would you, what advice would you give to somebody that wants to, like, you know, one, uh, just hashtag get good at narrative, and two, kind of engross themselves or immerse themselves in, in a way that allows them to, to flex their narrative muscles and get, get some narrative out there and engage narratively with the community. I mean, first is figure out how you want the narrative. Do you want a narrative an army, a character, or, or, or some other way that I can't think of? I, there's infinite ways to do it. Um, two, uh, suggestion for me would be to never shut up about it, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally never. Um, but if you, if you find what you love uh, as far as the narrative goes, just keep going with it. Don't, don't ever stop. And, and like, really, it's, it should be something that is on your mind all the time. Like, where am I going with this next? Like, whenever you open up War Scroll Builder or Azir and you're building, you know, your list for your army of a narrative for, to the point that while you're building a list, you're like, oh, how's this going to fit with my narrative? How's this going to change my narrative? No matter what a type of event you're going to. Um, like I said, just, just do it, do it often, and don't be afraid of doing something and going, oh, that doesn't work, I didn't really like that, and just, just roll it back a little bit and keep going, it's your story. Just, yeah. like, narrative without fear. Yeah, narrative without fear. And again, it's, it's all lovers, it's all knobs. You can just, you can always play with them. That's the beauty of, of writing, that's the beauty of, of, of narrative. Um, I'll do a whole rant cast on just writing. I won't even call it rant cast. One hour I'll tell you about how great writing is. Um, Martin, man, what do you got to add to that? Um, so I would say um, uh, read. Don't be afraid to read. To, to or I would say research in general. Research um, the things that influence you. Understand why you like them and why you want to like incorporate that or, or, or learn from it to better your hobby. Um, don't be afraid to share, um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. There you go. And your battle tone, by the way, is a great place to start. If you're, if you think it's intimidating to, you know, when we, when we read comics, we actually have to like have reader guides for comics and all the crossovers. Once you're trying to jump in on a particular character, it can be really overwhelming. Um, Black Library feels like that to me. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the comic world, so like that's not, but for me, I'm like, oh, where do I start reading all this black library stuff? And, uh, you know, now that audiobooks are picking up, it's like, I get one set of list of audiobooks from one friends and I get a set of like other books from another friend that seems really intimidating for me. Your tome, it's a great place to start, especially for AOS. Mm -hmm. it, it, they read like propaganda, like just rags for your army. So like, if you're already on board with that army, or if you're not, if you if you're still trying to figure out what army you love, uh, man, hit hit up the LGS. Just just thumb through a couple battle tomes, read the lore part. It, you'll something will resonate with you. It, it 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 tends to. There's enough. I call them sharp edges. There's enough sharp edges in 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 Warhammer. Just the way it works, that you're gonna catch on something. You're gonna it's gonna stick. Uh, and then from there, like you've got that first, you've got that first like foothold. And then from there, you just you go. Hey man, I love mm -hmm. Nagash. Now what do I read from Black Library? Oh well, how about you read these three books? Like then it becomes a lot easier to navigate through this this quagmire of of you know a thirty year old game with with oodles of lore and and stuff like that. Um, Paul, what do you got to say? Um, 
what I would say is that one of the ways I've done that is to make my terrain into a narrative thing, right? So like I can put that out there and then other people interact with that, right? And they create stories within that realm. There you go. Um, and that's something that I really enjoyed. It was something I actually built for Coalescence two and a half years ago, um, but really has become its own thing just because when you look at it, it's different, right? And for me, that's an important way of playing is to welcome someone into, like, when you walk up to the table, you know this is not a normal game of Age of Sigmar because the table looks nothing like a normal game, right? Like, the colors are different, the setting is different, there's different levels. There's ramparts and, and shit. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's about communicating, right, the idea. And, like, that's what narrative is. Communicating the game you want to play, communicating what you like about the army. Like, just communicating with the other player, because you only get so much time with another player when you're playing a game. You get an hour and a half, two hours, maybe two and a half hours, right? You're lucky you get to play an entire day-long game 8,000 points or something like that. Mm. But what it provides you with is you are able to stand there for that amount of time with another person that is interested in the same hobby, in the same models, in the same game, right? And that should be a win-win for both of you, right? Mm. That should be something that you walk away from that and say, oh, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. And anything you can do that can communicate that to the other player when they walk up to the table, you've already bridged that gap and what kind of a game is going to be the most enjoyable right now or you know what i don't want that game i would love to play just a normal game of four by six age of sigmar great right you get that out of the way right away and you can just play the game differently it's about communicating with the other players so the expectations are not completely disparate from what the experience is so that's one of the beautiful things about our game. That's what makes this game... I always use the analogy, like, Magic the Gathering. I can walk up with headphones on. I don't need to talk to you at all to play a game of Magic. I, yep. I, I turn creatures sideways. You know exactly what that means. I never have to say... With Age of Sigmar, we have to communicate. You don't have to have a great big conversation, mm -hmm. but at the very base level, you have to communicate, I am charging this unit. I am doing this. I am doing that. Um, and then, mm -hmm. from there, you can expand on that and get more social with it. Invest more into these interactions that on the surface is gameplay but then can go a lot deeper by adding those narrative layers uh one real quick i want to touch on uh, on some advice aos coach has here in chat he says play narrative scenarios from your from your battle tone like break oh, yeah. from break from the sort of standard uh you know battle plans play those narrative scenarios i actually this is the only way i played ages or uh, warhammer fantasy battle growing up was the stuff in our tomes we didn't know i don't even remember there being a like battle plans dedicated it was all victory points and shit out of my out of our uh army books um you know and then we'd have these uh, white dwarf we played a ton of white dwarf uh you know plans i guess so mm -hmm. um but yeah uh yeah, man, great advice uh, yeah so that uh, great advice everyone uh chat gang thank you so much for hanging out you're the show within the show uh martin anything you want to put on blast um, shout out to only... uh Warhammer Weekly. Warhammer Weekly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Vince, yeah. Go. Uh, go watch. It was, their five, it was their five year. It was their five year anniversary this it, week. It was. It was Warhammer Weekly. And then, if people wanted to, to see your your sort of narrative hobby journey, uh, where do they follow um, you? On so Twitter? You, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, one of the things I made a resolution like a few years ago was to to stop um, 
using usernames. So generally, if you just search my name on Twitter or Instagram, I will come up. But I am on Instagram as the Wandering Prince, um, one word, and then um, you can just look me up on Twitter by my name. Uh, but generally, I'm like I, I post like a lot of work in progress stuff, especially like in these interim periods between armies, where it's like I'm just I'm throwing ideas out there. Like um, I pretty much got through this guy, uh, this this color test. I'm probably gonna post him later tonight, uh, and and stuff like that. But um, if you do not like Lumineth, uh, <laughs> I don't recommend following me because it's it's gonna be that for a while and some competition pieces sprinkled in here and there. There you go. Uh, <laughs> But that, that's basically what I'm going to be working on. And hope um, I, I might make some sort of blog or something in the future, like Chuck's uh, Strength Hammer blog about sort of the process and maybe putting into con more concise words um, my thought process and like what I'm looking to achieve out of um, the Army project. All right. Remember All that right. was me. Uh, yeah. AOS Coach says, do more Sons of Behemoth, less Elves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting a long time for that <laughs> uh chuck man what do you want to put on blast and where can people follow your uh, your narrative journey if they want to know more about tayrathi <laughs> uh if you want to know more about tayrathi um you can follow me at instagram or um twitter at at strengthhammer underscore um or my my blog slash website strengthhammer.net um that links to my youtube the blog and, and uh, podcast and all that um, you did so another podcast blast. episode this week I did. I talked a lot about Terathi and Daughters of Cain. Go figure. <laughs> but go, man. To put on, put on blast. Uh, I went to uh, uh, my friend uh, Sean, uh, who for he's a commission painter. Just went full time not too long ago, and he's actually streaming throughout the day. Brush for Hire. So Twitch TV. Brush for Hire. He's usually streaming from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. because that that's just what he's doing all day for his job now. And he'll usually wear funny things like a hot dog costume. <laughs> So if you want to have a good time before Rantcast comes on uh, on Twitch, just uh, check out twitch.tv slash brush for hire. I'm going to go ahead and add him to my auto host list too. Um, I need, I need to start getting some better auto hosts here. It's a lot of my old speedrunner friends. Uh, and then Paul, uh, what are you going to put on blast and where do people find you? Uh, well, they can find me at the mortal realms podcast. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at TJ shard. Um, what I would like to put on blast is just, um, if you are interested in this idea of the narrative, if you're interested in the idea of, um, building your armies, right? Like go listen to the Stormcast podcast. It's the GW official one, right? So it'll sound like obvious answers there, but like has done some amazing stuff talking about his narrative and how that goes forward, right? It's the easily consumable content that really tells you about what the people who are passionate and do this for their job can tell you about what they have done and how it works, right? I mean, you have a free resource to the people who make the game, so why not use it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, um, I mean, the OBR one did tons of, like, I, when I was in, like, pure hype mode making Rantcast, that OBR one was just, like, my eyes were wide. I was just like, oh, my God. To, to be fair, that is <laughs> Phil Kelly, and Phil Kelly is, is like, one of the premier minds behind all of Warhammer. Yeah. He's worked for Games Workshop for decades. Yeah. yeah. And he, 
he's one of those guys where it's like if he worked for a video game company, he would have been like the the powerhouse behind some crazy IP. But we're lucky uh, enough he, to have he, him he's like the Tim, the, the Tim Schafer, right? Yeah, like the, mm-hmm. yeah, um, flexing those old video game Kotaku muscles. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me, chat gang. You are the the show within the show. Thank you for staying up with us tonight. Uh, good night, everybody. Let's do this again sometime.